I guess you had to be there. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, ladies to two very tired people and a big damn quest. I'm big damn quiz. I'm big damn what? And we're here to talk about the thing that kept us up all night, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Wonder Woman. Diarrhea. No. Uh, oh, that's... Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> should have warned me. I would have put plastic sheeting down before we started recording. Yeah, we're on the sofa for the first time in what feels like forever. At least forever. Usually in, 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 in your, um, your eating space. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've recorded a total of maybe 10% of the episodes we've made... On your couch, about two percent in this room, and a good four thousand and eighty-five percent in the kitchen. Ah, yeah, but we also did a chunk not together. My God, where you're I, right. Where I was sat at my lovely computer desk, and I was sat at a desk where the lady who whose place I was renting kept moving all the stuff around when she was cleaning the room while I was out of it in Lincoln. And um, we, the internet went down, so we had to call each other. Yay! And do the podcast over the phone. And then I had to edit the local recordings together. Because you're a wonderful man. And we're going to be doing that again later this year. You're a, we are, yeah. You are a wonderful man. But not a wonderful woman. Woman? A wonderful woman? We saw Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about it. Non-spoilers and then some spoilers. But first, we've got a couple of other topics to touch on. We have a couple of other topics to touch on. Dirty that. I'm going to... Well, you have seen... Many things in my life. You've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge. How slash dare you? Dead Men Tell No Tales, much depending on what part of the world you live in. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, you'll touch on that, much to our, much to my chagrin. And, I, will, uh, I will touch on my bow. But so first. My starboard shall be ported. Don't, no more nautical things, thank you very much. But back to naughty things. Naughty things. Uh, you finally started watching American Gods. I have. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I have. It's so good. We won't go too spoilery, but uh, put it this way. If you want to watch it, you've already started watching it. So uh... Yeah, we're going to be talking about the first three episodes. So if you don't want to get spoiled for those, then uh, go watch it. It's on Amazon yeah. Prime. Just go and watch it. Like... You don't have Amazon Prime? Mm, tough titty. Yeah, you um, can, you'll find a way. How dare you, sir? How dare you suggest that our listeners are the sort of blackguards, vagabonds, and ragamuffins that would seek out alternate means of streaming? We're their not talking about pirates yet. That's the next topic. So we um, that was a semi segue. Oh, se- I'm a little semi right now. I'm always semi, unlike the gin in episode <laughs> just, three of American Gods. <laughs> it's just just raging boner. Oh my days. Um, so, American Gods, just a very brief recap for those who weren't listed a couple of weeks back, is a um, novel by Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, yeah. Which has been adapted into a TV series for the Stars Network and Amazon, uh, the UK distribution. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be eight episodes? I believe so, yeah. Good length. Again. <laughs> oh no, I can't even! Just, no, no, again. no, no, no more jokes about length, girth, width, anything. Just, um, yeah, it's good length. Um, and they're probably going to do about, I think they said they're going to do three, maybe four seasons to do the, to do the book. That's fine. I, I um, could, I could dig that. Like, especially if it's the usual sort of Amazon turnout rate, which is usually less than a year. It's like sort yeah. of every 10 months. Well, it depends what stars, because stars are producing it. Amazon yeah. are, just, are just, um, distributing, distributing it for the United Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
it's the story of Shadow Moon, who's just lost his wife, so he's like out of prison early to deal with it, uh, and you know deal with the affairs and attend the funeral. Along the way, he meets a bloke who ends up going by the name Mister Wednesday, who offers him a job of basically being his bodyguard, being Be his my muscle, man, being my man, giggity, <laughs> uh, for two thousand dollars a week, no questions asked. Be if, he, if he feels remotely uncomfortable, or feels like I could get him back into jail, he can quit at any time. Unless, of course, it could be talked round, which we witness at least once in the first three episodes. Um, Along the way, it's clear Mr. Wednesday's trying to meet up with a bunch of people around something very important, leaving Shadow mostly in the shade about it all, whilst a bunch of creepy, weird, uh, supernatural beings keep trying to get in touch with Shadow to say, why's he got you working for him? Come work for me. No, all right, we'll kill you then. And Shadow's been having no answers thrown at him, at least by episode of episode three. Not a single frickin' answer has come his way. No. But it's not done in a way where the show's going, questions, questions, we know you just want questions. Questions are good, right? Questions keep you watching. No, it's like, no, I can see that they're going to answer it, just not right now. And we're completely joining the story with him. We're going to get there. Yeah. Uh, my favourite thing so far is the openings. Yes, there's somewhere in America. In, but yeah. And they're basically straight up adaptations of passages from the, like, this, the book has interludes yeah. of somewhere in America where you do have these little um, flashes of, well, other gods. Yeah. And they're, and they're either how they came to America or their experiences in America and all that, and that kind of stuff. And it's, um, yes. Because episode, episode one's the Vikings um, arriving at the land and being slaughtered by the natives. Yeah. And then slaughtering each other. Yeah, because they have no wind, so they're praying to their god. Mm-hmm. And they they create an effigy that pulls sand, and they it's the way that they can see if the god grants the wind by the turn of the sand and on the breeze. Yeah, and they realize that like do erecting the effigy, erecting the statue is not enough. We're gonna have to make blood sacrifice. So they all like take out an eye because it's too Odin, isn't it? Yeah, their approaches yeah. they take out an eye, and it doesn't work, and then they start like cutting themselves up more, and then they make a sacrifice, and it doesn't work. So they literally just start to go to war. They take two sides and begin to slaughter themselves. And it's glorious. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so like, gloriously it, it, violent. It's it's like Crazy Eighty Eight's like Kill Bill Part One star blood. Like oh, it, it's, it's 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 colourful and vibrant. Yeah, but the violence is really freaking blunt. Yeah, um, and that, that that show does this a lot. I mean, Brian Fuller's an executive producer. and He was an exec producer on um, Hannibal, which is. It's a show that doesn't pull punches, so yeah, there's some of that going on. He loves a good punch. Half um, hey! <laughs> beans. Um, I will say this: the opening to the second one was absolutely genius. Which is that one? That's the Anansi one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Spider and everything, because it was just that was the most sort of oh, oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah, like I think that was the first opening to make you go. Okay, if you, if you haven't guessed it yet, this is about gods. Yeah. That's not just the title of the show. This is about gods. And, oh, because it was just amazing. Like, that, that, that setting, so bleak and horrible and depressing. And he's basically delivering the news that once he appears in physical form, that, yeah, like, this is not going to get better at all. The best you can do right here and now. Like, you're, was it, you're staring down the barrel of 300 years of subjugation. Yeah. So the best thing you could do right now is just kill every white motherfucker on board. And it's just like, okay, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you're not going to change history, but you can at least go out in a blaze of glory right now. Yeah. But it's the fact that he appears in, like, a, a modern patchwork zoot suit. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, 
visually, this is the most striking, like, random bit of, oh, okay, they're, they're omnipotent, they are from throughout time, it's not just about people coming and going, it's... And there is, there is some serious, striking visuals in this mm. show, like, straight up. Oh, God, episode three, the, the, uh, Egypt, like, he, he was, uh, essentially Anubis, wasn't he? He was, like, yeah, taking like, a passage yeah, to the underworld. Anubis, yeah, yeah. And they got the, the apartment block, and they get to the roof of the apartment block, and it's just the deserts and, yeah. and the sands. First thing that, that I absolutely really, really love is how this looks like a comic book. And I mean that in the nicest, in the best possible way. Every shot is composed to in such a way that they're utilising the colour of every shot really yeah. well. Like they've not just lit a location and then, you know, lighting it for, for the sake of each take at every angle. The whole thing, every single set, every single open like location, everything has a colour palette, and it's got a mood. Yes, oh it's god, def- yeah, it's got a definite mood. It just looks glorious. Like Shadow, the way they light Shadow Moon, the character, not the concept of shadows, which isn't a concept. It's it's more than theory, but the way they light Shadow Moon, like usually in the nighttime sequences, they light the actor's skin in a way so that he's always slightly more toward the red side. Yeah. He always looks a little bit red. Do you know what I mean? And like Ian McShane similarly almost looks grey in the darker colours. Do, do we want to talk about how great Ricky Whittle is? The Shadow. He's fucking great. He's awesome. Because again, like he is your he's your ride along. He's the character who's taking you through the journey. And we're as clueless as he is at this point. Yeah. We've seen everything he's seen. So you don't feel like the show's trying to bamboozle you. You feel like you're learning yeah. with him. And they, they, they've changed him a little from the book in the in the in the book. Shadow is very calm, mm. and he takes a lot of this stuff in his stride. And they've made him more reactionary in, in the show because I kind of get that. Well, yeah, it, it's just not as interesting if he's just yeah. calm and taking everything as it comes, and it's not, it's not as interesting for the audience. I was dealing with a lot. I mean, dealing with the death of yeah. his wife and everything like this, that that alone would make your character riled a bit. Yeah, too um, right. Especially when he finds out like what was happening while she died. Which is the most freaking oh my oh my god! I, di- I didn't expect expect that to be where they go with that. Mm. And then just the although it it's tragic and really upsetting and hard to process, but it also gives some of the best <laughs> visuals in the second episode when he's looking at a photo frame of a of a dick pic. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what is this? Um, so that was weird. But yeah, it's I know what you mean. Like he he's he has to react. Yeah, because we are being welcomed into this. This weird, strange new world that has always existed. We've never really noticed it. I'm being welcomed by Ian McShane. <clears throat> oh, who my is God. also wonderful. What's your name? What day is it? Wednesday. Then I could be Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I could be Mr. Today, Wednesday. Today's yeah. my day. <laughs> oh, my God. He's amazing. Yeah, he's brilliant. Minor spoiler alert. You've read the book. I've read the book. Is he the devil? No. Okay. You know Go who on. he is yet? Not yet, no. I fi- okay. figured earlier, I was like, this seems like a, this the whole Devil's Deal thing going on here with this character. Yeah, but as it's gone on, I'm like, I don't think he is. But I just wanted to, I wanted to outright ask y'all. They've... Do they do they very heavily go at some point, this is who he is? They've made enough... By episode five, they've made enough um, references that if you don't... that Even though they haven't already named him, you know who he is, more or less. Okay, so I need to. I need a couple more episodes to. I'm surprised you haven't worked it out already. No, sorry. 
Push but, hard. Um, no, I'll, I'm yeah. trying to weigh up the options. But he's a bit. He's a bit. He's a. He's a smooth talker and everything. Yeah. You can tell he, he's because that's what made me sort of first go like, oh, is he? Is he Lucifer? Like, because he's he's not Lucifer, no. But no, but he's also yeah. So then again, he's more of a he's a trickster. Like he gets by in life by fooling others and taking advantage of the situation. Mm. So is he sort of the naughty side version of religion from another? Um, not quite. Okay, we'll see. I'll I'll, I'll watch a bit further because I was. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I was like when I first saw the hammer in episode two, I was like, oh, is he Thor? But of course, no. His name's Chernobog. Oh yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah, Chernobog. Chernobog. <laughs> like yeah, that sums yeah. it up. Which is again like based on your different mythologies, a version of the devil. But yeah. Well, yeah, Chernobog calls him something that I I would I thought you would have you would have got. I must have missed it. Go on, hit me. I'm gonna forget. I'll I'll have forgotten. Do you want to spoil it for the audience? Uh, do, well, if you if you listen to this, you you either are not going to watch but are interested in hearing about episodes one, two, three, or you haven't seen them yet, in which case go away. In three, two. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a couple of things. Go for it, go right. for it, and see if I can piece it together. He's got two ravens. What? He's got two ravens that spy for him. Snap! When was that? Um, you see him. You see him quite a bit in the background. And they're doing various things, but they you see more of them in episodes four or five. Okay. Um, right. Okay. He keeps mentioning he's only got one good eye. Yeah. Oh shit. He's, and, yeah. Okay. And Shinobu yeah. calls him Voltan. Right. Got you. Got you a thousand times. Okay. Interesting. Now you know who he is, don't you? Yes. Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's. Pre- I hadn't noticed the ravens. They they're subtle, but they're there. And, but you see, this is one scene in episode five. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Shit, I've just... I'm, another... Like, he says, I can sleep... I, like, I'm good at sleeping whenever I want to. Yeah. Is that a reference to the whole idea uh... of the downs, the downtime of Odin? Because, like, even... I know the Odin sleep is obviously more associated with the Marvel comics, but even that came from the Norse mythology and that Odin would sometimes go into, like, a hibernation. I think maybe, yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of that stuff. There's a, if, yeah, if you don't... If you're not outright told... Then you can be, yeah. You can. It, there's, there's. They've, they've laid plenty of hints. Yeah. As to his, as to the nature of who he is. Okay. And now I'm more intrigued because I'm like, why is he the one leading this sort of? Well, he was one of the first to come to America. Wasn't Fair he? play, which also means that the opening intro is about him. Yeah. So uh, makes sense now. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm only in episode three, so I've only seen Gillian Anderson twice. I've seen her briefly as a newscaster. And I've seen the fucking excellent I Love Lucy sequence. Yeah. Straight from the book. It's a very, very faithful adaptation so far. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, she she achieves what a few of the supporting characters so far have achieved at this point in that it's just, Hi, I'm paying attention to what you're doing. What are you doing and why are you doing it for him? Alright, I guess we'll speak again soon. Goodbye. Like, that's kind of mm. what they're all doing at the moment. Well, apart from the guy at the end of number one who's like, oh, oh you're te- not giving me answers, I'm going to have you lynched. Oh, Technical Boy's just a prick, though. Yeah, does he come up again? Uh, they all come up again. Okay. Because I did feel like they were being sort of passed in and out you, a bit. Um, ep- so, without spoiling it, episode four is more of a flashback episode. Yeah, I, I, so, I figured that from the ending of episode three. Episode yeah. three and four end at the same point. Okay. But then episode five makes up for that, for not having moved the story forward for a week right. by moving the story forward significantly. Quite a bit. Okay, you get a lot of payoff in, in episode five and a lot of Gillian Anderson, from what I've heard. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So much Gillian Anderson. All of the Gillian Anderson. So much Gillian Anderson. Does, does she impersonate the people she's appearing as? Because I've seen images. Um, yeah. Because she was with Lucille Ball to a point. Yes. Like, she was obviously playing yeah, it seriously, does. but she was affecting her accent and things like that. She does. So, okay. Well, looking forward to it now. Um, <laughs> oh, you should. It's <laughs> fucking great. Uh, Christ, I'm just, I'm just digging it. I just, I, again, like, you get all the hyperbolic reviews that come out when a new show comes out where they just sort of blast it like crazy. One of them did say, it's the new Game of Thrones. Uh, which I have to say, well, Game of Thrones is still on, guys. Yeah. Um, but what, if what you're saying is it's the new, this will slap everyone in the face and take the world by storm, I think the limited medium that you can view it on might not help it achieve that immediately. I know, I think Amazon Prime is more ubiquitous now than it's been ever been before. And both them and Netflix are producing so much original content now. The people are going to those services for that original stuff. Yeah, which is again quite refreshing. You got you got loads of stuff on Amazon Prime that that people like, and you've also got stuff coming down the pipe. I mean, The Tick and John Claude Van Johnson coming down. (laughs) All three of those shows got. Yeah, I love Dick's already on. It's done. That was quick. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I think we're getting. We talked about those like in episode five or six or something. That is so quick that they've turned that around. And I think we're getting we're getting The Tick and John Claude Van Johnson late this year. Hot damn. They're shooting the ticket. <clears throat> is that why Sarah Finnewich is slightly late with his sassy Trump videos? Probably. Because <laughs> he's too busy being... But, but still doing them. He's, so. he's too busy being big and blue. <laughs> Spoon! <laughs> uh, so yeah, American Gods. If you haven't seen it already, if you don't have an Amazon Prime membership, uh, maybe think about maybe think about getting one. The entertainment's pretty good and you can get all your books and DVDs usually like in less than a day's time. So that helps too. We're not sponsored. But if they'd like to. Yeah, we're not going to say no to an Amazon sponsorship. That'd be amazing. You know, my brother takes advantage of that thing that they've got now. It's called Amazon Now or whatever it is. Yeah, where yeah. You get it in two hours. Yeah. And so I think it's it's no extra cost if they can do it. But sometimes you have to pay like an extra quid or two. Yeah. But it's like, what a weird thought. What there are that yeah. many warehouses for them now around the country. And that, and many, that many couriers in there. That in many underpaid couriers. Yeah, oh well. Uh, <clears throat> like, my family is a courier, and, and they, he has an Amazon shift on Saturdays. Yeah. So it's like, oh, wow, okay. It's like, on Saturdays, Amazon owns him, and he makes about seven or eight runs. Oof. Yeah. It's Oof. like, wow, that is, that's the thing. Depending on where the runs are, though, his day can end at, like, you know, start at, like, 7 a.m. and end at, um, like, 10 p.m. or end at, like, 2 p.m. based on how far the distance is from all. Yeah. So it's like, okay. But, yeah, what a, I don't know, man. Amazon, worth it for the entertainment. Speaking of entertainment, <laughs> or lack thereof, <laughs> tell me, <laughs> tell me, Don Miguel, <laughs> tell me of Salazar's revenge. So this week saw the release of Pilot of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge, or the better title from the States, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which is, is it- a better title because it's the last line of dialogue spoken in the prologue. That's what I was just going to ask, yeah, I've heard that that's like part of the prologue and then it cuts to the title. So if it cuts to the title and it's not Dead Men Tell No Tales, that surely that lessens the impact of that moment. Yes. Also, Dead Men Tell No Tales isn't just a generic thing they've thrown on. A part of the villain's mythology is that no one is able to know about them. Because everybody who comes to them ends up dying. So the idea is that, that no one is finding out where they're located, where they're trapped, because no one ever makes it out alive. So it's directly referencing the whole pirates thing of like, oh, dead men tell no tales. It's like, yeah, people don't know about these fuckers and where they're being hidden because no one ever survives to tell them until Salazar starts leaving one person. Any crew they carry always leaves one. 
so that there is always a living person to spread the legend and get them out there. Because he's trying to get a message back. So the basic premise of Dead Man Tell No Tales is... uh... (laughs) (laughs) You know how the first Pyrus is the only one with a coherent plot? Um, yes. This continues the tradition of the rest of them. Oh, excellent, excellent. My favourite Pirates films, the rest of them. Henry Turner, at the age of 11, manages to summon the Flying Dutchman to say to his father, I think I know how to break your curse. Will Turner, played by Orlando Bloom, is like, no, don't be stupid. Like, just let let me be. Let me do what I need to do. The wonderful Orlando Bloom (laughs) said no one ever. How dare you? He's excellent in extras. <laughs> um, so, and yeah. the calcium kid. It was like around the same time as Pyro. It was one of those things that he'd made just before the first one, I think. It was and, and then it came out around the, time the same a lot time. Of the things, I think. Yeah, of course. I always forget that like Pirates was the first thing where he was like a headline name. Yeah. But Lord of the Rings, obviously. And also the last thing where he was a headline name. Den! Den! <laughs> <laughs> um, so Orlando Bloom's like no leave me alone but his son runs away from, from home at like, the age of 11 and goes off into the world to do stuff and learn more about specifically Poseidon's Trident oh. try saying that sober Poseidon's Trident let's think about it for a second yeah you? well yeah, I know I spend a lot of my time thinking about Poseidon's Trident <sighs> yeah I bet you do oh. girthy and lengthy Poseidon's trident is the most significant cursed object in all of the oceans because apparently it can remove any curse. It can destroy any curse. It's a mystical get out of jail free card. Basically, it's the MacGuffin. It's the MacGuffin to end all MacGuffins. Literally. So he's in search of Poseidon's trident, something which is lost to legend and this, that and the other. There's no way he's ever going to be able to track it down. But whilst he's on a voyage, his ship, the ship that he's working on is attacked. Uh, he's in his like, early 20s now. The ship he's working on is attacked by a pirate ship near, the, I think it's the Devil's Triangle, and when the ship goes in, they all nearly die. Because this crew of ghostly things, people made up of what's just left of their body parts after they died. Pretty freaky looking. The effects yeah. are great on Salazar's crew. Um, ambush them and kill them, and then he is left alive. Because he has to tell the tale. And Salazar basically is like, I, yeah, I'm getting tired of this. There's one thing that can get me out. There's one like object that for some reason is curses them to stay there and I need I need it to be separated from the person who did this to me so go tell Captain Jack Sparrow Salazar is waiting for him please and you're like what? titles blah 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 Captain Jack Sparrow so Henry's story is basically he's got to try and get hold of Captain Jack somehow separate him from his compass because that will release Salazar's crew but releasing Salazar's Cruise bad option, so he doesn't have to do it. But apparently, basically, the plot makes no sense because Salazar gets free when Jack is destitute and trades his compass for booze. So Salazar suddenly gets free. So it has nothing to do with Henry having spoken to Salazar. But whatever. So Salazar's crewing out now looking for Jack Sparrow because Jack Sparrow was essentially the pirate who cursed them and put them in the Devil's Triangle. Yeah, and it has something to do with his magical compass. I have no idea why. Meanwhile, there's Wasn't a lady. His magical compass to wait. Show the way to the island in the first one. Uh, in the first one, it's just a compass that apparently seems busted. Yeah. And adds to his eccentricity. Because it's like, he's using a compass that doesn't even freaking work. What's wrong with him? In the second one, you find out that the compass uh, points to what you desire the most. 
So uh, every, everyone was always like, why is the compass not... Like, why did you walk around with a broken compass? Like, what kind of a pirate is he? He's shit. And in the second one, you're like, oh no, like he thinks of a destination or he thinks of a person or he thinks of a treasure and it points him in the direction of it. It's like, okay. But they obviously didn't have, think about that in the first movie because there's a shot where Norrington is looking at Captain Jack's compass and he says, a compass that doesn't even point north and it's pointing at Jack. So unless Norrington's desire is to kidnap the uh, capture the pirate... Norrington's decides to do much more to that pirate. Well, you know, <laughs> boom chicka woo. People love that Johnny Depp in that first pirate. Oh god, um, where he should have stayed. <laughs> There's a woman called Karina who is a scientist, and because of that, the town she's in thinks she's a witch, um, and she decides that she's going to. I think her original mission is also to find Poseidon's trident because she studied seafaring since she was left at the orphanage by Everyone her father's child. Everyone loves Poseidon's trident, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's because she's like, if I find it, I can sort of disprove myths and this, that, and the other. And also, my father, the only thing I have left from my father is this notebook with notes about it. And if I if I can find it, then I at least did one thing for him. He must have left it to me for a reason, so I'm going to go find it. But I, I assure you, it's not a cursed object. It'll just be an, it'll be an artifact of some kind, for I am a scientist. It'll be a trinket. Yeah. She and Henry find out they've got the same goal. They team up and escape the uh, like the you know the British soldiers that are there that think she's a witch and he's a, a traitor, a mutineer from his crew because he was the only one found alive. Um, and they run into Jack and they're like, "Right, you you shit, you're tied into this. You're you're going to give us a shit. You and your crew are going to sail us away." Uh, Jack is Jack is in a, <laughs> so Jack is in a place similar to the end of. Uh, on Stranger Tides, like he's got Gibbs and he's got a couple of the other crew from that story still, but they're they're using a ship, run down ship, but they've not sailed yet on this island. They've just happened to set up on for a bit because they've got nothing that they can do. They try and rob a safe from the bank in the one genuinely really well like an action sequence that feels like it belongs from one of the first two movies where they try to rob the safe from the bank and instead drag the entire bank behind the horse drawn uh, <laughs> rabble. Which is bloody brilliant. That sounds quite good. It, it's it's the opening, like, big opening set piece after the titles, and that is great. Um, so, yeah, the, the, all that shit as usual. But they go off with them to try and find stuff. Cue the British, uh, you know, following them. Cue Salazar, like, getting out because the compass has been taken away from Jack, so he's tracking them down now as well. Cue Barbosa, who has the largest fleet of ships, uh, pirate ships in the sea now, uh, due to the end of the events of On Stranger Tides, where he got hold of all of uh, Blackbeard's bottled um, fleets and also Blackbeard's sword and ships, so he's in charge of them and he can command them all. They're being taken out, so his stake in it is, right, if I help Salazar find Jack, I can go back to ruling the sea and be left alone. And it's just like, what? It, oh, so many things. And there's lots of accords and parlays and fucking savvies. Actually, no, there's only one savvy in the whole movie. And it's questioned. Jack says, like, savvy to, um, in terms of a deal to Henry. And Henry goes like, no, no savvy. Very much no savvy. <laughs> it's like, yay! They shat on that overused thing. Yay! But that means they still used it to do it. Um... Who's the actor who plays Gibbs again? We were talking about this last night. Kevin McNally. Kevin McNally is great. He's very underused in this one, um, considering in the fourth one his part was bumped up a lot. Yeah. But he is great, as always. The lad who plays Henry is sort of Orlando Bloom point two, in that he's not brilliant and he's not a, like a giant swirling maelstrom of charisma, but he's fine. Like, he's, he's not bad. He's, he's just... Fine. Uh, Karina, the new female character, she was dividing a bit. Like, I watched it with, um, I don't know, was it with two friends and my partner, and, and 
I think three of us really liked her and one didn't, which was really interesting. Like, Lucy despised her. She's <laughs> like, I hate her. She's, she's such a know-it-all. And I was like, but that was the point of her character, though. She sort of learns to open her eyes to more than just what's on the page by the end of the story. That's the point. Yes. But, yeah, I can see why it annoyed her. Um, but I, I quite like the actress. I think she was a very fiery, passionate performance. Um... These two aren't Will and Elizabeth, which is weird, because when you look back to when the first Pirates movie came out, we're all like, they're not the most charismatic duo. But then you look back at it now and you go, actually, they were part of the big reason as to why I gave a shit about the story in that first film. Probably a bigger reason than Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, let's get to him, shall we? Let's get to Um, Captain Jack Sparrow. Johnny Depp doesn't appear in this movie. Instead, they seem to have uh, grabbed the guy from outside the Grammys Chinese Theatre in Hollywood Boulevard. Who does it for like ten dollars a photo? <laughs> and they've put him in the film. Johnny Depp has forgotten how to play Captain Jack Sparrow. He's playing Captain Jack Sparrow the way that your your dad at a dinner party tries to pretend to be him in a game of charades. Like it's it's so strange to watch. But also they make the mistake again of making Jack the focal point of the movie. Now in this one, to be fair, unlike Stranger Tides, in this one Jack isn't the main character. He's one of three. But still, he's a supporting role who works best as a supporting role, like in the first movie, and arguably in the second movie. Yeah. He's not... He shouldn't be the focal point. But also this, Jack is a bit bumbling in in the original movie, but he's not an idiot. Like, he's everything he's doing is calculated. Sometimes he fucks up and has to just go with it, but everything he's doing is a choice. If he's playing stupid, he's doing that. He's playing stupid because he needs to for a moment. The only time he's ever not on top of it or working a deal is if he's blind drunk. That's when he's sort of not as good at it. Yeah. But that's about it. Like, even in the first movie, like, the only time where things aren't going his way based on how he manipulates stuff is when, um, like, the Commodore Norrington's lot are coming towards Black Pearl. But Bosa spots them. They're like, right, we're going to attack him, uh, Johnny Depp. Captain Jack's like, no, no, don't do that, because he's he was about to bargain with Will. And he's like, well, if they find out Will's on that ship, my bargain's gone. And he's clearly panicking a bit. But he's not an idiot. He's a manipulator. He's very clever. He's a devious pirate. No, but he's an idiot, though. In this movie, he's a fucking clown. He's, yeah, cl- he's clown shoes. It's, it's a typical example of popularity ruining a good concept. Yeah. People don't know what they like. Until they've ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a shame, man, because one of the original ideas for the Pirates franchise early on was every film will deal with a different person or a different mm-hmm. story, and you can have elements that tie in. So, like, you know, people enjoy Captain Jack in the first one, great, we'll give Captain Jack, like, a set piece in the second one where the characters encounter him or something like that. But they didn't do that. <clears throat> they carried on with the same characters. Of course. I'm sick of Cursed Pirates. I think you can do Cursed Pirates really well, but when the curse is practically the freaking same in every movie. Like, the first movie. Stolen the, uh, the Aztec gold of Cortez. And basically it means that unless all the pieces are returned and the blood repaid, they're going to be the living dead. They're, yeah. they're going to never feel, never taste, never, you know, like, they're, they're fucked. And then the moonlight shows them for what they what they now are, basically dead men walking. Like, it's a great idea for a curse. Brilliantly done. Second one, we find out there's a ship, the Flying Dutchman, captained by Davy Jones, who essentially takes away sea, sea, seafarers who are about to die. Like, either their ships crash or they fall into the water or whatever. And he makes them part of his crew if they choose to. If they don't, he just kills them. 
and they become part of his weird underwater barnacly crew. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, cool designs in that, but it's a bad movie, bad pair of movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the second one's a really nice setup, but the payoff ain't worth it. No, the third one, not. so it makes the second one retroactively kind of pointless. And they're too long. <laughs> yeah, they're geez. too long. Everyone gets a subplot. Mister Cotton's parrot has a subplot. Fucking uh, monkey has a subplot. Oh, that monkey's battle of engines in this one. Um, so yeah, you're not selling me on this movie, Christopher. No, like the fourth one. Blackbeard, his crew are mostly either dead people who are sort of zombies in the voodoo sense or people who, you know, like worship him and he can control his ship and he captures bottle uh, uh, ships and bottles them. And it's Ian McShane, so yay. But it's again, it's just another cursed crew. In this one, Salazar's lot. They all drowned or blew up in the Devil's Triangle. So now they all look like they were when they died. Which is some nice visual effects. Heavy Bardem's like hair is floating around him at all times like he's underwater and it looks really good. There's one crew member who you see caught in the explosion in the flashback who's like burned away mm. and it makes you realise you've been seeing him for most of the Salazar scenes because there is one walking around that is just like a pair of legs with a bit of torso and like the jaw floating in air where the jaw would be. Ah. Which is, again... That's a pretty cool visual. It's freaky, but it just... It's just like, we've seen this now. We've seen the Cursed Pirates. We've done this. And obviously, spoiler alert, mine spoiler alert, Poseidon's Trident is found, and it's used. So all curses are broken. Good. End the franchise. End it here. Don't do any more. But there's a post credit scene that teases another story. It's no, like, they're going to make a load of money, though. If this movie does well, which it probably will... Financially, it'll do well. Critically, it's been mostly met with a... They're not yeah. making... Bro, I think Mare's a bit strong. <laughs> From what I've heard. I've not seen any dissections. More people just going, get out of my... If, if, if you were giving the movie a ride, you'd suddenly stop the brakes and go, get out, you can walk the rest of the way. Get out of my cinema. Get out of my dreams. Get off my boat. Yar. Yar. Uh, two stars, well-made movie, some nice set pieces, but seriously, stop it now, just end. Just That's end. literally the most positive review I've heard of this movie. Just end. I, I, I'm a bit of a sucker for the Pirates films in general, so I, I will always forgive them some things, but I was just bored, man. You're just a bit of a sucker for the Pirates. There's a bit, there's a bit where there's a random wedding subplot that lasts for five minutes and has no consequence on anything. Like, there you go. Like, that sort of sums it up. They've gone, this'll be funny, won't it? Did they feel like they need to make these movies longer? This one's the shortest one, actually. It just felt like an eternity. (laughs) Because they kept adding subplot after subplot after subplot. Wait, that never happened. Yeah, that sounds awful. I'm not going to watch that. Well, you could spend your hard-earned cash in a different way at the cinema this week. Let's talk about... Wonder Woman! All the world is waiting for you! In your satin tights! Fighting for your rights! Let's talk! For the old red, white, and blue! Wonder Woman! Let's talk about Wonder Woman! Woman. Sorry. That's just, yeah. Um, I think there's something very, very important we need to say about Wonder Woman before we say anything else. Yes. And that is. It's good! Yeah. It's good! I'm so happy it's good! It's good, they did it. They, they fucking 
fucking did it. It took oh. four movies, but they did it. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, movie gods. And I say it took four movies. Oh. I don't mean like it took four movies from the same people and they finally nailed it, because we'll, we'll get more into that as we talk about the film. But just so you know, this is non-spoilers. We will do a bit of spoiler talk uh, in a bit, but we'll give you advance warning. But um, it's a solid flick. Like, yeah, it, it, you know watch. It's not. It's not a. Put it this way: it's not redefining the genre. No, it's not amazing. I don't it's think. Not like... I don't think it's matching the uh, the levels of say the and everyone's going to be like Ooh, shills. I don't think it's matching the levels of the of the really good Marvel flicks. Yeah, but it's like it's better with it's better than like Thor: The Dark World or. Iron Man Two, I, yeah. I'd say, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's fairly solid. Maybe it's probably on the same level as like your Ant Man or your your original yeah. Thor. Maybe if you want DC comparisons, I'd I'd sort of peg it around the same place as maybe Batman Begins, but a completely different tone. Wise, yeah, very different tone. But I mean, in terms of like what you get from it, and, and it's obviously the most you can compare compare wise because it's the story of the characters' beginnings and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one obviously deals a lot with like you know thematical things and like what makes a man and what do we do with what do we do with old Elbosh to wait we know to pick ourselves back up pick ourselves up that's your way and to illustrate the point further here is Sean Pertwee's Alfred Pennyworth <laughs> Oi Master Bruce get your ass from down there what have I told you about being up on that roof it's getting really charty or shit Master Wayne um Wonder Woman is pretty damn solid Director of Patty Jenkins starring Gal Gadot and Chris Pine and a bunch of other cool peeps. Um, it's basically the story of Wonder Woman! It's the story of Diana, like from from her childhood to right up to her the end of her first adventure in man's world. Diana, Princess of Themyscira, daughter of Hippolyta, Queen of the Amazons. It's pretty great. It's, it's really good. If you've ever read a Wonder Woman origin story in any form, or seen like you know Justice League flashbacks, or watched the animated movie, you have seen this story. Yeah, this is just the first time we're seeing it told in live action in such a big way. The same way that when you you know you you see Batman Begins, you're like, oh, I know the story of Batman, but this is just how they're telling it. Yeah, and you know, I know the story of Spider Man, but this is just how they're telling it. It's, it's the same way as that. So I can't say that it's like it's the story of all things. Like, well, not everyone's seen it. But everyone who has seen it knows the beats. They know exactly where this is going to go. It's all about watching this interpretation and, and seeing what they do with it. Um, first off, best thing. Let's, let's go for some. Let's go for some pros and cons. Pros and cons. So let's be right, nice and blunt right. like that. Okay. Uh, give us a pro. It is colourful. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Boy, is it colourful. It's beautiful, and it's colourful where it needs to be colourful. Yeah. Like, when we say colourful, we don't mean the whole thing is, like, bright. We mean that they know how to use the colours effectively. Yeah, so it provides contrast. When you get to the front the, mm. the, the, in in the war, the Great War, the war to end, end all, all wars. wars. Um, oh, God. It's a go away trailer. Um, <laughs> someone on the IMDb page so I can look up things. Um, yeah, it, it, um, it is... It is Colourful, so it can provide contrast. Yeah, but the opening, the opening, like what, what, third of it? I think you reckon. Yeah, it's, it's a good, it's like, good, like 35, 40 minutes. That's uh, all on Themyscira, and it's gorgeous. Mm. Just vast blues and greens, and like the, 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 the chalky white cliffs, and the and the grey stones, and the sunlight, and everything. Like it looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely 
gorgeous. And lots of beautiful women of all shapes, sizes and colours. Yes. Dressed in leather fighting each other. So, you know, if that's if that does it for you, <laughs> plenty of that. The majority of, like, the, the superhero-style, like, uber-warriors in this movie, like, you know, uber fighters, are all them, all Amazons, all yep. Themyscarians, apart from, like, uh, something to do with Danny Houston in terms of, you know, the super-powered fights. Yeah. But, um, like, it's so cool to see, like, is it her, I can't remember the, the character's name, but her aunt, who was, like, uh, the, the chief warrior, the one who trains all the, all the girls to fight for the inevitability that one day they will have to face. I war. hope I'm pronouncing this right, but it's Antiope. Okay. She was amazing, and again, she looks like a grizzled, like you know, war-ready yeah, well, Amazon. Right. She's amazing, but like they've, they've given that massive gash on her shoulder, yeah. like, the big scar, and all this. And it is I that mean, Robin Wright's aged wonderfully. Yeah, anyway. well, like you were saying, it's that thing of just this big variety of like big, powerful, strong, beautiful women. And we don't mean that in a condescending sort of. No, like, no, oh, no, they're no, all no, beautiful. Like... They're all great gals. Like... I mean, like the, it's the confidence and the power of all of them is just so striking. Patty Jenkins has nailed that. Yeah. She's made Themyscira... Because Themyscira could have been lost in translation. It could have been what is very briefly they make a joke about toward the end. They're like, what, an island of women? <laughs> Sign me up. Like, kind of... Yeah. Which a lot of people... Oh, pardon, a lot of people go for. But even even in recently as Grant Morrison's uh, Wonder Woman Earth One, like, he shows them as warriors, but there is a lot of just like, oh, look at them, they're all bathing. Yeah, They're all, they're yeah. all having sex. And they're not, all they're having not, lovely times. There's none of that, like, tweeness. They're all... Hard asses. Yeah, they're, they're, they're warriors. Like, they, they are beauty, they are grace, but they will also cut your head off using just their thighs. Like you're screwed, and then you, <laughs> if you bring if you bring war to their shores, they will fuck you up. And we see that happen. We do. That um, was really nice. Like the obviously the classic story is that Steve Trevor's plane crashes in Themyscira, and Diana learns of the Great War. You know, World War One, which uh, they wouldn't be calling it at that point because it's just well, World War. Yeah. But like they learn of World War One in the outside world, so she's like, right, I'm going to take him back because he has crucial information that needs to get back to British intelligence. He's like, I'm going to take him back, and I'm going to help them as best I can. But there's a really nice moment when that happens. He's not the only person to cross cross into like the threshold of Themyscira. A bunch of German forces arrive there too. Yes. So you get a really cool it's the scene in the trailer of the fight on the beachfront. That's in the first third. It's brutal. And it, it's that nice mix as well. They don't make it so that the Amazons are invulnerable. They make it just like, no, they can get hurt too because they've never seen a gun. Oh, yeah. They don't yeah. know what a gun is. They, their armour is not prepared for this. At the same time... They're taking out more dudes with bows and arrows than are being taken out with muskets. So, it's all good. Yes. Um, oh, that first shot, the one where the one swings down. It's like the triumphant first warrior to hit the beach. She's swinging from the rope from the cliff face and that bullet flies through the air. And you just see it down and watch it go past. Yeah, it just hits the warrior in the stomach and she just dangles limp from the wire. And you're like... And it's the first time Dan has seen death. Yeah. Like, it's the first time it's ever, like, been a thing. Because obviously... Themyscarans, they are the Amazons. They go along with that origin that they were created like by the gods to bring compassion to man and to teach them love and togetherness and everything. Which is where a lot of the translations of, of this island of women gets lost in a lot of adaptations yeah. to being just like, oh, they're here to teach us the girly ways of the... No, fuck that. Love isn't just hearts and rainbows and everything. It's like the strongest sort of human trait that makes us stand out from other things. Yes, yeah, compassion. There's compassion. That's what they are about. So... <laughs> Where's it going with that? That's oh, why that Wonder Woman becomes a star sapphire in Blackest Night. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. But that's why they're that's you know, that's why they're essentially they are of the gods. 
So they've been living there forever. Like, they're, they're never gonna, there's never going to be a child. There's never going to be a new Amazon until Diana, who's... Well, that's, mother, why they, that's why they make such a big fuss over her. Yeah, Apollota sculpted her from clay and granted her life. Zeus granted her life uh, because she, she wished for a daughter. And it's like, oh, that's really sweet. As if that's where... The, yeah, as if, if that's, that's it. What... As if that's it. It's like, no one to on. say, that isn't the whole story. Yeah, um, let's ball that because it's interesting, like, the versions of stuff that they use. Because that, that, that was one of her origins and has been many times. Although, I will, tell, I will present this as a con of the movie. Oh. The script is solid, mm. but you can see all the twists, and I use inverted commas for that, <clears> coming <throat> a mile off. Yeah. I'd say the only one, there's one toward the end as part of the final set piece that when it revealed itself, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't see it coming in that form, but fair enough. Um, so, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's a very, it's a very paint by numbers sort of story once it gets going. But it's very solidly done. It's a film about acknowledging you can't change the world. Yeah. But you can do your best to help. But it's also the first DC expanded universe movie that actually holds together as a coherent narrative and yeah. has a plot which has a structure and so even though it isn't you know breaking the mold it and you know some of the some of that stuff is is telegraphed quite early on the fact that it actually works as a narrative I'm, I'll take that I'll take us I'll take a solid script that's a little predictable over something that just doesn't work at all any day pros casting Oh, yes. So well cast. Now, obviously, the movie inherits a cast member in the form of Gal Gadot's uh, Wonder Woman. Um, and I know there was some concern mm. over before when the movie was coming out, the only way she'd be able to, to carry the film. And I think she does a really, really good job. Yeah, I was, I, was one of the, I was one of the concerns, simply off the basis that from what I'd seen her in before, I was like, she's serviceable, but she's not like... I don't think she could bring the variety you'd need to be the lead of a film of that but, kind of scale. You know, she has well, she got, does all right. She's got charisma. She's got an incredible physical presence. Yeah. She's like, got for, some... for, for the whole, all the doubters of like, she's so yeah. petite. It's like, it's not about the size. It's about she's not petite. You, she's 5'10". About... Yeah, but it's about how you carry yourself. And yeah. she, she looks sturdy. She looks like she could hand you your arse. She's 5'10". She served in the Israeli Defence Force. She knows how to be physical. Like she, Gal Gadot is <laughs> yeah, not. We, a... Of course she does. That's why she was pregnant during the making of the movie. Yeah. Oh, dirty yeah, joke. Dirty yeah, joke. yeah, yeah. Dirty oh joke. yeah. Also, she reshot some of this when she was five months pregnant. So, yeah. Well, you tell me that the, does the, not the show at all. No, it's it's so well done. Well, you say that. How did they do that? It was there's a costume. Uh, they had, had like a green ba- ba- a belly over her baby bump. Yeah. And then they CGI'd like the normal stomach there but in it, its place. But it doesn't <laughs> show in any of the in any of the choreography or the action. It's 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 really. <laughs> Wow. I think there are a couple of weightier emotional moments she doesn't quite nail. But I think she sells the ones that matter, though. Yeah. I, I, never, yeah, I never thought that. I never, I never was like, oh, that didn't quite land for me. I always, it always made, I, I, always, I got it. I, I thought she was great. Fair um, it is. That's fine. It's, I mean, opinion is subjective, and you are yes. wrong. But, um, ah, yeah, but yeah, like, I, it's one of those where I'm like, do you know what? I would like to see her in more things now, mm-hmm. because I think she's going to be one of those actors who will get better the more she oh, does. Yeah. I think the biggest... It doesn't look like she's sort of gone, oh, this is fine. It looks like she's gone, no, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to push it. The biggest further. obstacle she's up against is working in a second language, really, and that's only going to get better with time. She great though. Like she, yeah. she, she sounded. Uh, she sounded as much like someone who's who, who has English English as their second language, 
as the character would need to. Yeah. Because they make a point in the movie of, like, the Themyscarians are ready to bring peace to the world, like, if that time comes again. The Amazons are ready to do that, so they're fluent in, like, 500 languages. So, if you're fluent in 500 languages, you're going to be a little shaky on them sometimes, because you're probably not using 498 of them on the regular. Yeah, well, quite. Uh, and also, like, um, Keith pointed this out last night, all the other actors on Themyscira, all the other Amazons... <laughs> The, the performers affected their accents to match Gal Gadot's. Yeah. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. Because, again, like, that part's already cast, so you're already like, well, so th- this is what she sounds like coming from Themyscira. I guess this is, like, how everyone should sound. Yeah. So let's, let's work this in. Let's do that. And that, that did well. It's, it's like uh, Forrest Gump. You know, Tom Hanks came up with the voice of Forrest Gump when he met the actor who'd been cast to play the young Forrest in the yeah. flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. And that's just how he sounded. So he was like, right, I'm going to do that. It's like, okay, okay fair that makes sense. Uh, instead of trying to teach this kid to sound like a voice I'm going to come up with, I'm just going to do his voice. Yeah. Um, it worked out for that one. Uh, Chris Pine. Oh, Chris Pine's I, great. I described Chris Pine. I was chatting to uh, Little Billikins, who sent a mini review for us to read. Oh, yeah. Little Billy Tracy of the Five Huff Hands. Yes. Um, I said to him last night, uh, Dingle, 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 Dingle. Dingleberry. Uh, yes, Dingleberry. Dingleberry! <laughs> I described... Oh, God, there's more messages than I thought. Sorry. Uh, I described to him last night uh, Chris Pine as this. Chris Pine was an obnoxious, sexy charm factory. Yes. <laughs> like, there was that weird smugness that made me want to be really annoyed with him. Um, I was like, oh, God, he's just Kirk again. But he's charming as fuck. Yeah. And him and Gal work so well together. Like, Pine yeah. and Godot are... Some of the best moments in this movie are not only because they they made uh, Pat Jenkins made a very different decision from the other three films of the DCEU, but some of the best moments in this movie are just the quiet moments. Yeah, absolutely. Where a couple of characters talk to each other. Absolutely. And one of the best scenes in the film, which is is hilarious because it's just kind of crude and verging on a bit like much, is the scene where they first leave their mascara on the boat. Yeah. And he's made a place for her to sleep. She's like, will you not sleep with me? And he's like, what? She's like, why, why would you sleep over there? And he's like, well, it's just not the done thing. She's like, there's plenty of room and it is comfortable. Like, sleep here. And he sort of eventually is like, oh, okay. And then it's basically just pillow talk. Yeah. They just lay there talking. She's just asking him perfectly innocent questions. And he's asking her perfectly innocent questions. But both of them inevitably sort of lead down the road sexual contact and oh yes because it's could be production I know of this yeah exactly yeah she's just like yeah that's how people make babies it's like right um then how are you lot there and it's like oh we don't need to do that like I was sculpted from play it's like okay besides we realise that um Men- men's role is only um what's it men's role is only essential for, for the reproduction yeah when it comes to pleasures of the flesh like a man is a man is optional <laughs> and you just get this brief look across his face where he's clearly going like are you telling me I'm not going to think about it? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I am an early an early 20th century guy. I am going to have to keep a, a mo like a, a tiny bit of decorum. There are, there's plenty of anachronism in his in his dialogue, though. Like, in yeah, the, but in I think the, I think that's more I think that's more a, a, a change of contemporary filmmaking, and, really. But, isn't and it? also, yeah. just like it, he has enough charm to sell it. Yeah, so you don't really care. It's like well, above, he is he is above average. He is above average for his sex. <laughs> um... <laughs> Where I come from, I would be definitely not be considered average. I'm a spy. It takes it takes a sort of fortitude. Oh 
God. It's crazy. S- supporting cast as well, like, um, David Thewlis rocks up as, I'm trying to the character's name. Uh, right? so he's basically he's a high, high-end politician. So helping, British McBritish. Yeah, he's been helping negotiate the armistice so to, British you know, toward the end of the war, like, all that, all that negotiation. Because it's basically set at the very end of the First World War. Yeah, the, literally, the First World War is about to end. Yeah, because obviously but, it ended with the tentative, tentative armistice that eventually just sort of led to, oh, no more conflict now. Yeah. Okay. But um, it, it, it's, Basically, the the whole the the big the peril of the movie is that the the armistice is about to be signed, but this one German general, general Ludendorff, yeah, who played by Danny Houston, yes, who is convinced that with the aid of of, of the uh, Doctor Poison, which yeah. is the nickname the scientist has been given to create gas, with her help, he can create a, a, a biological weapon that will end the war in one attack. Um, so he's convinced that they can still win, whereas the rest of the German army are like, no, this we've got to stop this. This has gone mm. beyond. We th- we're not going to win. Millions of people have died. Twenty five million people have <clears> gone <throat> into the trap. Yeah, Trevor. It's, it's not about like winning now. It's about just ending this. Yeah. Like that's what we want to do. And he's like, no, we can still win it. You see the terrifying effects of her gas. There's that lovely shot in the trailer which you see, and it's extended in the film of the gas mask in like the test, the, the glow yeah. being tested, and you're just seeing it crack and wither. And that, I mean, that's a terrifying image. The idea mm-hmm. that they could create a weapon on a chemical level that would do that. That would just like, it's not that it, it won't, it's not designed to kill the people. It's designed to destroy the equipment they're wearing and then they'll just die from suffocation, basically. Oh no, it will kill them. It will kill them. But like, it's, it's the whole thing of it will, it'll whittle away everything that's ever been made to survive gas. It's like, that is a haunting idea. She's got a lovely haunting design as well. The yeah, with poison. the, 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 the um, porcelain um, yeah, face the, mask. The First World stuff. War sort of reconstructive mask, which is totally a thing. Yeah. But... And, and like, w- sort of fascinating to look into, like the, the designs that the, the people would come up with to cover these horrific facial injuries they got in the war. Obviously, hers hers is is shattered, implying maybe sort of conflict or something at some point. Like hers is broken. No, I don't think it's broken. I think that's just the way it's designed. Yeah, I I sort of assume that it'd been cracked and stuff because it it gave her a slightly more inhuman appearance. But it also it has the flexibility to it. To to ventral gastel mouth, ventral gastel mouth. Yeah. So I think I don't think I don't think it's damaged. I think it's designed that way. Okay. Yeah, because it was fitted to her cheek and everything. Yeah. Like, she and uh, General Ludendorff are, like, going, even going against their superiors' orders to sort of get this pushed so that it works. And they're determined to do a weapons test. So, basically, yeah, Chris Pine, uh, Steve Trevor, has stolen her notebook and is trying to get it back to British intelligence so that they can do something about it. Meanwhile, the bad guys are putting together, like, their test attack and their main weapon in the hopes of setting it off, even if it means on the night of the signing of the deal for the armistice, like, they're going to do it. Um, so yeah, it's a race against the clock movie. We yeah. meet some really cool, interesting characters on the way, like the team they assemble. I saw one of the reviews referred to them the, as the, uh, the as not- the, the heart, was it the, uh, yelping commandos? Yes, yeah, the not, not quite howling commandos. Yeah. This movie is, has a lot of similarities to the first Avenger. Which I, is- I, I think, I think if you like the fish out of water story of Thor, and you like the period setting of Captain America first Avenger. Yeah. You will really dig this movie because it is sort of an amalgamation of those two themes and styles. Yeah, it's not trying to be those movies. It's just unfortunately, it has to cover that same ground because that's this character's story. But that's one of the reasons they moved it to the First World War. Yeah, even though Wonder Woman's tradition because she was created during the Second World War. Yeah, uh, so she's traditionally associated with that period. Uh, and Steve Trevor was originally a World War Two airman. Yeah, so it, it's a. Uh, it is definitely a case of um, of them having to 
go, well, we can't do World War Two because Captain America already did it. Yeah. So we'll do the First World War. And also it... it, it but it lends a more unique setting. It yeah. Means, it means that you can sort of use technology and military stuff that we don't really see as much as, say, the Second and, World War kind of and level also of things. The, the First World War was is historically, I say interesting, it's not quite the word to use because it was such a fucking abomination, mm. but it, historically it's 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 interesting because it was the first war where mechanisation really started to take over and and you had a lot of people using outdated tactics and weapons yeah. to, to fight new technology that was coming in so rapidly and that was where you get these 25 million dead yeah like the battle of the sun where like the hundreds of thousands of soldiers die in one day yeah and things like it's just the 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 sheer scale of it um was just unlike anything anyone had ever seen before and so for that to be sort of diana's introduction to the world i think is quite it works thematically i think yeah they play on they play on on her learning about man's world so well. Yeah, she's got a wonderful innocence at the start of the movie. Yeah, because that's the thing. She's 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 a hard she's a badass, but you know she can take out a room of thirty villains yeah. with ease. But they do play on the idea that she would also in this moment be like, "I've never been to man's world. Oh, what is this then? Like, what's this? Oh, that's amazing. Can I try it? What this you, is great. What do you women wear to fight? Yeah, it's like, are these? Is this your armor? And it's like, no, that's that's for fashion. Uh, while we're at it, let's talk about Etta Candy. Oh, I love Lucy Davis. Um, she's so good in this, and she and she she's barely in it, and it's like, oh no, I want to see more Lucy Davis. Yeah, con, please, yeah, con. Um, her first three lines are the punch lines of the trailers. So I was like, oh, is this all she did then? Pro, no, she does more than that, um, and she's br- and like, she's great. She's in just it. brilliant. <laughs> And it, but the thing, Con, actually, Aye. because this movie is set in the First World War, and presumably future Wonder Woman movies will be set in modern day. Yeah, we won't see more of these characters. Yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, because that's, they're so yeah. good. But again, like I, I think that the story that they told with them, even with the not the not quite Howling Commandos, like they they are a joy to watch and interact with. Yeah. And Anetta Candy was fun spending time with, and like Theodos' politician and everything. Like you, you like seeing them. I've seen some speculation that the the little group that Trevor puts together might be the the um, the forerunners of the Blackhawks. What is that? Blackhawks are like um, DC's sort of military team. Okay, <clears throat> like sort of the the GI Joe of the. Yeah. I kind of, of, see, of, kind of the, see that. Of the DC universe. More like them sort of maybe putting build the people together and they guide them, maybe. Maybe. I don't know if they'd be the, the, the people that charge through the front door of, of a battle. But... No, but like their, their exploits. <laughs> when World War Two rolls around, they're definitely yeah. going to be like like the sort of people who will be helping to lead for you know fights against. Well, not even that, but like their exploits will, will inspire the, the Black Hawks. Right, okay. Oh, you mean Forerunners quite literally? Like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're the template. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but that's just speculation. I don't know if that's true. Because I've seen the chief character credited as Black Hawk okay. in places, but I don't know if that's if that's just people misattributing things or whatever. Just being racist, um, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a Native American. <laughs> he's Black Hawk now. Yeah, so I don't know. Me, Bigum Black Hawk. So, oh, God, no. Yes. No, no, no. Danny Houston getting to have a bit more fun. Danny Houston does tend to get to put in villain role 
Um, but in this one, he gets to have a bit more of a gleeful side to it. Like he's clearly just like the you know the villain of we will win and we will do this. But he's also enjoying himself. Oh in a boy, few parts. is he? Yeah. Um, and that's pretty great. And he's just. I I think when it comes to the villain, like um, the, the, if you're weighing up the villain aspects of this movie to other films, like there has been this thing in modern superhero movies, the villains almost being like not you know given enough of a chance to shine because it's all about the heroes and everything yeah, yeah. i would agree that in this one the bad guys aren't really sort of you know they're not like we're not we're not back in the days of like jack nicholson's joker or anything like that but i think you'll remember them yeah like, you'll definitely remember them and so. they'll they're they're effective and threatening in this story both both the villains in this have a sort of both um ludendorff and dr poison have a real um charisma about them yeah and and, and they have me- memorable performances as well i think particularly from the last who plays dr poison yeah um the scene with her and um steve trevor at the fireplace yeah uh, the gala yeah. in particular is uh really well played by them both um yeah big, biggest biggest con i think you've said it it's like it's a shame we're not really going to see these characters again yeah. in the setting but if this is the story we get with them fair enough uh biggest pro for me it's the direction that yes. Patty Jenkins has told this story very well. Like, like I said, I don't think Godot is like you know absolutely nailing sort of the, the the leading role kind of ability needed, but she's damn close now. And Jenkins, I think, is a big part of why she she did so well in this movie. I yeah, think they, yeah, absolutely. Those two work together so like so um, meticulously to to make this work and and tell the story because that's the thing as well like actors are actors but if the directors aren't directors your actors aren't going to look good and they aren't going to be able to tell the story properly so it's a collaborative effort um see the star wars prequels for evidence of directors not working well yeah look at the mannequin look at all the fucks i give look Mm. at them going away um so there's that I think Pi Jenkins did that. Visually, the film is very striking. The action scenes are really cool and, like, brutal. That's some really You don't see gashing but... and blood or anything like that, but you see the blade slicing, you see the shield smacking into faces, you see the lasso, like, chucking people left, right, and centre. Um, her armour looks amazing in motion, like, much better than I think it did in Batman v Superman because it was drowned out in that film's lack of colour yeah, palette. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... In, in Bound of Superman, the colours are more muted on it and it's, it's more battered and dinged up. Whereas mm. this is fresh and new and colourful and bright. Definitely. I just, I mean, the World War One, like, the, the, the way they make London look and, and the great review of London. Yeah. It's like, so this is London. It's horrible. Yeah, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. <laughs> it's like, yay! <laughs> it's the best description ever. Um, it's It's, I, I recommend it, man. I If we had to be as... as Simple as, as giving it a star rating, but we have done it before, so screw it. I I think I'm going to do something I don't do. I don't like giving half stars, because I think it's a cop-out, but I'd give it three and a half stars. Okay, I'd go for four. It's really you solid. Go four. It's really solid. Yeah. Um, it's got, it hasn't got any glaring <laughs> issues, I don't think. It's yeah. just, it's just nothing, it just doesn't make... There's nothing in it to elevate it to amazing, but it's a really, really solid movie. It's well worth your time. It's like one of the better, I think a good way to describe it is it's like one of the better 2000 superhero movies. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like the Iron Man end of the pool where it starts oh, to get Oh, yeah, yeah. Better, I'd definitely yeah. put it above, like, any of the X-Men movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather watch this in any of the X-Men movies. Um, so, it, yeah. It's the most consistently solid and enjoyable 
DC Warner's movie since The Dark Knight. Do we do a bit of spoiler talk? Let's do it. Guys, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We're going to do a bit of spoiler natter about... <laughs> yeah, so go watch it. If you're going to, if you're worried about spoilers, go give it a watch. Because it's out now. So pause this, go watch it. But if you want to skip uh, the time codes, I'll tell you down below. Where does it give to you, little bastard? Yeah, so we're going to start talking about spoilers in three, two, one. The whole film was a dream. <laughs> so what do you think about Ares? Holy shit. Now, there was suspicion that Ares was involved because the first the first whisper that Ares was definitely a thing, yeah. at least in the traditional comic book sense, was when um, uh, DC and, is it Hasbro that they worked with for the DC Multiverse? Yeah, figures? yeah. Earlier this year announced the Wonder Woman wave, the Builder figure wave. Which, of course, included Which Ares. is um, Apolita, Diana in like her Themyscaran thingy. I'm trying to remember the auntie's name now with that character. Uh, Antiope. Antiope? Antiope. 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 Um, Diana in her uh, sort of... I would nearly bought it because I saw it in Toys R Us the week but then I realised the cape wasn't removable from the head. But it's basically, oh. it's basically how she looks in the film but with the black cape on but it's yeah, also, yeah. also sculpted into a hood. Oh, so it was cool. like, oh, that's a shame because it looks like you could detach the cape from the torso and get a really cool Wonder Woman action figure without the cape. The cape was just sort of obscuring the head a bit. It was like, oh, that's so weird. Oh. But um, that, and I think Steve Trevor, but the builder figure is Ares. Of course. And the, the promo shot of it is it's in shadow. Even on the back of the boxes, it's sort of like in shadow. To yeah. be like, oh, Mister, you know, you have to get the pieces to see what it looks like. And I was like, okay. So Ares is in the movie somewhere. Fair play. Mints. I mean, what else? You, who else are you going to use? Oh, yeah. In terms of one woman villains, I mean, they got use Doctor Poison, who is like fucking deep, deep pull because the re- Doctor Poison isn't really used very much because she was created in World War Two as sort of a yellow peril villain. Mm. She's yeah. a Japanese woman, which they completely cut out of the movie. They made yeah. her European, yeah, because in the first World War, Japan was on the side of the Allies, yeah. Um, so they've got rid of that sort of problematic backstory, mm. um, but it's like it's still such a deep pull, and she's hardly iconic. And you try and think of iconic Wonder Woman villains, you always come back to Ares. Yeah, I was going to say, like, off the top of my head, if I had to name Wonder Woman villains, the only ones I can think of, like, straight up, no joke, is Ares, Cheetah, and yeah. that's it. That's all I can think Ares of. Ares and Cheetah. And that's because I'm not a particularly big Wonder Woman reader, but, like, also... I, I, like, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of, like, Wonder Woman story arcs. I've not really read any pure Wonder Woman. Most of the Wonder Woman exposure I've had is her in other stories yeah like, well, for, for me Wonder Woman like the Wonder Woman in my head always is always going to be from the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoons yeah that's a really like, that, that's Wonder Woman, Woman to me um, but and, like... and the 2009 animated movie Wonder Woman is pretty freaking solid but guess who the villain is in that one Ares, Ares. and guess who the villain is at the sting at the end leading into another story Cheetah there you go so there you go um, but yeah Ares so I was like okay then in the beginning, you see the uh, that's uh, graphic graphic wise that was amazing. The sort of oh the, yeah, that sort of flashback to the like, origins of the Amazon. Yeah, yeah, but through the murals, but the murals were like moving. Yeah, so, so that, it's that was old, gorgeous. old painting style. You see Ares in that, and again, he's mostly in shadow. Like you see, he's backlit and stuff. Mm. And I was like, right, as we we're watching last night, I was like, that's the figure. Then that's where he looks like this in the movie. Because the plot of the film is that Diana follows Steve Trevor back to Mansworth because she's like, Ares is doing this. Ares is stoking the conflict. Like, men are being corrupted by him because he wants war and death. So there's that whole extra plot angle throughout the movie of, like, she's only there because she thinks that there's a big baddie she has to kill, and if she does that, everything will be fine. Which is really sad, and, like, because you, you as a person who yeah. lives in man's world yourself are going, it's not as simple as that. Oh, no. God, we wish it was, and but Steve it's Trevor really keeps not. trying to tell her that, but yeah. he's like, he doesn't... 
and, and, and there are hints of something going on, like yeah. the, the I gas. Do, I, I do like the fact that they didn't say outright by the end of the movie, First World War happened because of Ares. Well, he says it doesn't. He's like, look, yeah. I give him ideas and I give him weapons, but they, they use them. They like get he, into his arguments. His only involvement in World War II by the sound... In World War Two, In the First World War by the sound of it was Ludendorff and Dr. Poison. Like, I mean, he, he was just like... Well, maybe they should. Maybe you should try this. Maybe you should try that. Well, you could still win this war. You could do it. Like all you need to do is this. But he's also being David Thewlis on the other side. Yes, so, stoking the British forces as well. So you know, because that was the other the other thing. I was like, I saw him in the flashbacks. I was like, all right, so that's Ares. Then that's what the toys based on these these flashbacks. No, the toys based on David Thewlis covered in battle armor at the end of the movie. Because yeah. holy shit, David Thewlis was Ares. That was great. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. That was really great because, again, like you know, Danny Houston taking all the taking the the, the Doctor Poison, like, like the adrenaline drug and stuff that makes him like super strong. For which a is short which period. is which is the first moment where you think, oh yeah, there is something else going on here other than just yeah. war stuff. But then at the same time, I was like, well, yeah, that maybe he's not Ares then. Mm. Well, that was nice because they, they yeah. leave it open and there's a scene at the gala when she and him are dancing at the ball. And she's basically testing the waters of the conversation. She's like, I want you to out yourself. And he he really sort of, in that moment, I was like, maybe he is. Like, maybe this is just Ares. This is what Ares is now. Like, he's human, but yeah. this is this is what he is. Because especially at the end when she sort of like talks about the gods and, stuff, and as he backs away, he says, you know nothing of the gods. I was like, oh shit, maybe he is. But then the fight happens and she plunges the sword through him when she finally beats him. And the f- that was so well done because it was like not even the big triumphant swell of music so much as like it was directed where you're like yeah and then she like... looks around and the fighting's still happening and the the poison is still being shipped into the aircraft and she's like I don't understand like she she can't deal with it she can't no. cope with it because this is everything she's been she's been taught from birth like is that Ares is the fuel of all conflict and if you kill Ares you kill war. And she's like, but I've 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 done it. I, I mean, that was heartbreaking to watch her pleading with with Steve. Yeah, she's like, I don't. She because she, she's basically saying to me like, no, it it should have worked. And he's like, look, it it didn't. It it that's maybe maybe we are the bad thing. We are the problem. People, we yeah. are the evil. Yeah, we've just got to deal with it and try and stop as much of it as we can. And it's just like, oh god, it's horrible. It's not that simple. Yeah, and that was nice. The film didn't at any point tried to say because I thought that was where it was going early on where it's like first world war happened because of a supernatural happenstance yeah. it's like nope the film doesn't say that at all but then th- that was eerie when Ares reveals himself and he's just it's Thewlis just in the middle of the watchtower and she's talking to him and then she gets to the edge of the glass approaching the door cause she's there ready to like stab yeah. him or something He's just gone, but he's on the other side of the glass at the far end, like under, like uplit. He looks really gaunt and creepy. And basically, you find out that yeah, Ares had been taking um, his place in humanity for thousands of years, stoking so, yeah. stoking the fires whenever he could. Never, never inciting conflict, but certainly making it longer. Whispering in an ear here. That was a beautiful visual. I put Doctor Poison at her desk, and you just saw it was almost like a ghost. You just yeah. sort of like walking past her in the background, talking, and it was like, oh my god! So it's about subliminals. Like he's just been basically coaxing people to cause more death. A little push here, a little push there. It was amazing. It's also amazing that he retained his moustache from being a god to modern day. Well, with a moustache like that, you would, wouldn't you? Felix was clearly having a ball with that. Oh, yeah. It's not the sort of role he'd normally take. 
So I wonder if he was like, oh, sod it, go on, like, bring on the challenge. Oh, let's yeah. do it. I mean... Because it was him at the end as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of CG, but it's like the end fight, like, when she starts to physically attack him, he's... That was pretty cool. He's, like, floating above the ground and stuff in his big long coat, so it looks nice and creepy, and he's, like... He's, like, pulling lightning out of the sky and firing it at her. And... Yeah, plenty of lightning, but no big blue beam going up into the sky. Yeah, yeah that's Yay! very true. Did you notice... Did you notice as well, like... He's like he was he was like telekinetically moving stuff around, but did you notice he only moved the weaponry in the vehicles? Yeah, it's almost like he had only he has control over war. Yes, yeah, I thought it was quite cool. Like at no point there's a bit where he lifted up the ground, but it's because he was lifting up all the stuff. He was all just clinging to it. Well, and everything. See, he smashed it with a bit of the pavement. You see, Chris, he is war itself. Yeah, he actually is. <laughs> he is, and it wasn't dumb. It was great, but that was great. I mean, like at one point, like binds her with the freaking caterpillar tracks of a tank. Yeah, and he freaking like, he's just chucking um, bits of like he's just picking up like the crates with the ammunition, and it's tearing into swords. Yeah, it's like smacking it with a sword. Throws a bunch of little bombs at her. She throws a big bomb at him. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the thing. I I I, I said last night. I would have I would have really respected the balls on them. For getting to her killing Daddy Houston, realising that, oh my god, no, it's not as simple as that. And then the film wrapping up in some other way. Because mm. it would have been like, and the message of this movie basically is, people are evil, let's try and be nice to each other. But then, of course, once he appeared, I was like, oh, we're going to get a big CGI fight now. Because they have to end it in a big blockbuster way. Fair enough, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think they mitigated a lot of the problems that you had in a CGI big fight like... Uh, Batman vs Superman. Um, Batman vs Superman. Batman vs Superman. Donna Jones. Um, because the action was easier to follow. It was better choreographed. It was two people very clearly fighting in a small yeah, area. It was two people who have. Oh God, I'm sorry. Um, there were there was two people who have a conversation and a relationship, and not just um a couple of people beating on this giant CGI cave troll. Yeah, I also like the um. I like the armor. I thought it was a cool way to do Ares' armor. Was he basically yeah. just pulled all the metals from around him to create an armor that looked like? Which I guess that's the toy. I also like the fact that in the tiny slit of his helmet, it was still David Thewlis. They didn't give yeah. him like a black face with glowing red eyes. Or There's also like that, that wonderful visual where it, the, the armor's still molten. He just puts his fingers into the front of it and drags down to create yeah. the eye holes. Yeah, that's cool. How sweet. Cool. Uh, and also, um, what do we call it? Oh, what was getting? What was getting? What was I getting? What was I getting? Was something that end fight? Yeah, the end fight was something I can't remember what it was. I had a point, and it's completely slipped out of my brain. I'm very tired. It was good though. We, we both fell asleep like around about four a.m. It was a good fight, and it's now just after three p.m. and we're still kind of drowsy as balls. It was a good fight. It was a good way to to to, to tail off a, a pretty a pretty good. Yeah, pretty good movie. That was it. The fact that Ares' plan wasn't just, I'm going to make everybody hurt each other and yeah. I feed off war. Like, it was a variation of that. It was, I, like, man Man was Zeus's creation and I hated my father and that's why, that's why, like... There's a bit of the devil in a bit of Lucifer in it. Yeah, he's like, that's why I killed everybody. So here's what I'm going to do. I enjoy conflict, so I've been, I've been poking, the, I've been poking the bear. I've, I've, I've been, you know, stoking the fires. And I'm going to get it to the point where they all wipe each other out and then when they're dead and this earth is pure and green again, will I truly have won? Because I'll have wiped out my father's creations. Mm-hmm. That was great. And of course, I didn't realise until she said at the end as well, goodbye, brother. 
Like, of course, he's half brother, she's his half brother. That's how. That's oh, the, he's he's her half brother. He's, he's her half brother. Yeah. because ah, she's the weapon. Like, she were introduced to the God Killer in the movie. The sword oh yeah, hilarious. And you know that's coming as soon as yeah. as soon as well, they as set soon, it up. You know that she's not. She's the God Killer. Well, I think I think like, for me the bit where I was like, that's exactly where they're going was when in the the sparring fight early on she deflects her anti with yeah just. just yeah normal break like they're not even the brace that she's wearing for the rest of the film and stuff like not the exact yeah. same ones she just deflects her ante and it like gives a shot wave and i'm like how is she able to do that and why is no one picking up on it and she doesn't question it because she's like is this something i can we can do is this something we do mm. that i've not seen but her mother's obviously like oh shit like she's gonna start to figure out she's more than just a normal and Amazon. they don't really have time because she's so scared by that that she runs off and then that's when she sees steve trevor yeah. crashing into the sea and then the Germans are hot on his tail and they have a big beach fight and it's... And then people... Da- Antiope dies and yeah. fucking other Amazons die. There's a lovely moment as well where um, Antiope's dying and you see one of the Amazons... So you see her sister run over to her, who's Hippolyta. You see Diana run over to her, who's her niece. And you see another one of the Amazons run over to her, who's presumably her wife or partner. It, it, was, or... The lady, it was the lady who had the remarkably long neck. Yeah. Who had who had two lines prior to that, and both of the line reads were really stupid because we both went. Like, oh, that's always like, yeah, she's good, she's good, yeah, she's good, yeah, keep working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That was just like background dialogue that wasn't meant to be in the film. They just put in the film, I think. And then she had another line after that sub point, right? I can't remember what it was, but I think we both did it at that point went. No, like, it yeah. just it was a really stupid line read. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's, there's an almost implication that this is her partner. Yeah. It's like oh, I never shit. get into it, but I just, that just felt nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's world building without spelling it out. Yeah. Which, which is the best way to do it, really. The Mos Eisley Cantina works because it's just oh, this is what people look like in space. Yeah. Okay. Like you just go, all right, fair enough. Um, they don't make a thing of look at this weird alien. It's like oh, everybody's aliens. Yes. Oh, cool. Um, and Steve. again, like you know, that's when Steve asks about the relationships yeah. and stuff with this, there's the implication that yeah, there's romance and sex on Demoscara. Of course there is. Of course there is. We just don't make babies because. We don't make babies. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not what we do. Also, we, we, live, we live forever, presumably. Yeah, we're functionally immortal, I imagine. So. Yeah, so babies don't need to be made. Uh, men which, men which are the... unnecessary when it comes to simply the ple- simple, simple pleasures of the flesh. Which begs the question. They're an option. <laughs> how long is Diana a child for? Well, that's the thing. She she is different from everybody. She And they do make a point of that. Like They don't make her mum or anyone look younger in the earlier parts of the movie when she's a child. Yeah. They all look exactly the same age when she ages, when she grows up. Um, so does she just age for thousands of years until she's a young Yeah, woman? that's a good... Because again, like, Zeus created her. Like, yeah. Zeus... Uh, the especially the, the spelled out, isn't it, that Zeus and Hippolyta had a daughter. Yeah. So... We can presume that she was conceived around the time the Amazons were first created to, I, to um, bring love and, and no, understanding to man. No. She, no. So the Amazons bring love and understanding to man. Yeah. Then they're enslaved by man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then Hippolyta and Antiope lead a rebellion. Yeah. And then Ares kills all the gods. Right. Zeus strikes down Ares. Yeah. And charges the Amazons... Like right, I'm so, so, I'm so sorry. Weapon. All this shit happened to you yeah. guys, and he gives them a weapon so, yeah. to defeat Ares should he rise again. And basically, so basically, him and Hippolyta bounce chicka wow out. Yeah. She makes a baby, and, that and that's baby, the demigod that will kill Ares, Ares should, should he rise, he again. rise so again. This, so this, so she must have been born when Ares fell. Yeah. So it would have been a couple of thousand years ago. Which also beautifully explains Hippolyta's reluctance for Diana to sort of learn anything. Because it's like, the moment you start to learn about this, the moment you realise you were created to fight someone who could kill you, and I don't want that, because I love you, you're my daughter. 
And I love the I love that their ending isn't resolved as well. Their ending yeah. is like she says goodbye to her, she says, I don't want you to go, but I know I can't stop you. I so like, it was believe a long, they're the going to be in Justice League, though, as well. Um, so. Depending on how they do it, fair enough. No, she says she says to her, um, I, my whole, you've been my greatest joy my, great, my whole life. Yeah, my greatest love. Well, today you're my greatest sorrow. Yeah, and then she just turns, gets on the horse, and goes, and you're like, that's the last thing she's saying to her. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, I mean, what a way to do it. Like, it's, 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 it's not like a, go, you know, save man's world, be the hero you need to be. It's like... And I'm not going to stop you. Like, I just want you to know, I love you, but you're breaking my heart. Bye! Bye, Diana! Bye! She says, you know that if you leave, you may not return. Yeah. But I don't know if if she means you might not come back, or you're not allowed to come back. I think because she gave her, like, the tiara and stuff, basically it's like a, 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 it was almost like anointing her saying, like, yes, go and do this. I think she was basically saying, you're not coming back now. Like, you can't come back here. Like, your time with us is done. Because you are defi- you are defying me, and if you come back, you know what I mean. It's, it's just it's it's like you're either going to die or you're going to come back and go. See, it was fine, and that's going to tear our society apart. Yeah. So you cannot come back. Because I, 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 the implication was more: I never, I would like to see you again, but I can never see you again. And uh, and although like Steve's death and the, the yeah spoiler the, alert the, <laughs> spoiler section the that's sort of the revelation that it's not. Ares that makes men wicked kind yeah. of make, make, makes her turn her back on the world for a century. Yeah. It also she doesn't seem to go back to the Mascaria. She tends to she seems to like make a life for herself. Yeah. It? She she document by the look of it what's implied with the opening sequence in Paris and stuff like she's like a she's like a she, historian. She's a historian. She documents warriors yeah. and, and and war and like the societies where her people came from and everything. Art restorer and antiquities dealer, I believe. Yeah. Um. She's it's good. almost a shame that there's the opening scene and the ending scene, because they're the they remind you that this exists in a in a movie universe that's already going on, um, and has and has three inferior films to its name. Yeah, this is the best DC movie hands down. Yeah, the ending shot right. made me piss myself with like, oh, that doesn't work because basically no. she goes to the rooftop of the the um, the Louvre in in her armor. And leaps off of it. It's like, why is she leaping off? I don't get it. Why is she? What's she? Why would she be dressed in that armor and leaping around Paris? That doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Like it. It needed at least maybe for her to see someone being, you know, mugged or something like that, and then she just like grabs the sword and leaves, and it's like, oh shit, she's gonna kick someone's ass. Apparently, it was confirmed at some point by the production team on Suicide Squad that Wonder Woman was the one who apprehended Slipknot. Right. So I think it, the idea is that it, she has right. been sort of vigilante in. Oh my god, I, think, I since figured Batman that. Because yeah. that's um, the thing about V Superman, he's not like bringing her out of retirement, more like bringing her into the light. Yeah. It's like, I know what you're up to. But, but also, help me out. I think. And that was, I mean, it was a nice touch at the beginning. Like, if you forget the other movies exist, it's still a nice touch at the beginning to have a scene where Wayne Enterprise's courier rocks up there yeah. and delivers in the most secure way possible the original photo of her and her and her troop from that village and so like I found the original yeah, like, handwritten note from handwritten note from Bruce like that's sweet and would, had those other movies not existed that would have been something I think we'd all be like oh that is so cool they threw a nod into Batman at the beginning of Batman sends her a gift that's really cool yay Justice League yay they're all friends yay this is great but it's like do you think here and Batman are going to bang uh, I hope not. I hope not. 
Because you can do Batman and Wonder Woman romantically. They do it in Justice League Unlimited, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's overt. It's 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 not even a will they, won't they. It's a, you two would be fucking great together. <laughs> like, the way they write them and the way they performed and everything. Like, and I think there's a there's a kiss shared by them at one point. Uh, but, but the, she kisses him on the cheek at one point and he's like, yeah. really embarrassed, I think. Yeah, it never gets to them. It never gets to being a storyline. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, that is something they've threaded that would be really cool to see. And it's, it's, it's often her and Superman are, are an often touted pairing through Injustice, through Kingdom Come, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope, but, I hope she don't get with no one. Yeah, I hope it doesn't become a thing. Just like, a romance subplot is not. What How do you feel about getting with Steve Trevor in the fine. movie? It was weird because part of me was like, well, that was the original story, so I'm kind of fine with it. But also, I was like, mm, you know, it'd be refreshing if they don't do romance but plot. I, I think it's also because they've been—they've obviously talked about like sexual stuff. Like it's quite funny and quirky. But it was where they were and everything. Yeah, it was like after that night, it was—it was like tomorrow we could all die. Thank you for showing me what you've shown me. And that's I, that's them both thinking that. I think it's also it's, curiosity on her part, for a yeah. large part of it, of like what is because they never—they never outright say outright say like they had sex, but. It ends with them kiss, like the night ends with them like embraced and kissing, In her and then room. it cuts to the, yeah, and then yeah. it cuts to the next day. That was sweet because when he first closed the door again, he looks like he's gonna go out, and this then... is gonna actually sort of like not it's not like a come to bed. It's just like she looks at him like, why are you doing that? It's like come here, and, and it's and he sort of is like he sort of seems unsure at first. He's like, okay, right, but it was sweet because it was a call back to the scene on the boat earlier. It's like you sleeping sleep. You can sleep here with me. I'm not going to be offended or upset by it. Like there is comfort. There's there's room and it's comfortable. Please sleep by me. And it's like okay. So I was like, oh, is that what they're going for? But like you say, yeah, playing with the curiosity. And it didn't. It didn't become a thing. It wasn't like she was then motivated by her love for Steve or no. anything. And vice versa, he wasn't motivated by his love for her. In that sense, he does. He does say at the end that he loves love her. You. Yeah. But but also, when he gives watch, but then he she never says it back, and it's not like she's mourning yeah. him. They earn but, it. Yeah, they're like they 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 earn it because of the two people they are. Do you know what I mean? It's like and it, they're, again, not making, they're not making it like it's a love for the ages. It's, it's like a, just Peggy course. Carter thing. Yeah, of like yeah, she it it, it it ends before it could begin. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, it's kind of it's 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 forbidden love in the sense that it was never meant to be because circumstances get in the way, but. Oh, and he goes out like a champ, does Steve Trevor? Yeah, oh freaking that last that last scene is wonderful. Just, 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 just the held the held shot. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. He, he, face. he starts out with him. He laughs, doesn't he? And then he sort of calms down. And he realizes what he's actually got to do. Yeah, like, oh, and he turns back. And he sort oh, of aims the gun. He aims the gun at the canisters as yeah. the plane's going up. And he just looks back. And he takes a few breaths, and it's that is Patty Jenkins. I think was the best thing about this, and it it, yeah. it really shows up Snyder and Aya. Oh yeah. Yeah, it it really is like... And uh, people will be like, what, you're saying that uh, woman director's better than the male director? That's, sexy. No, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, this director's better than those This director is better than those directors. Yeah, yeah, this definitely. is a storyteller who has come from a world of drama and thriller and that stuff, and she's brought the weight of, uh, of the characters and world building to the superhero genre, whereas they have always been action, action, things, shooting things, this is about violence. And yet and... the action in this movie is better than any of the action yeah. in those movies. Because in... you can freaking see it as like... well. The no man's land sequence is amazing. Yeah, the whole the whole liberation in the village. Basically, that was that was my favorite. Everything that was when, my favorite. When she steps out of the trench to when the tower gets demolished. Yeah, it's just fucking brilliant, like nonstop. Just yeah, she they throw her into a building, Chris. <laughs> 
throw her into a building and she blo- oh she just picks up a fucking it like tank yeah picks up a fucking armored car and throws it <laughs> like what the fuck it's amazing it's so cool I just, I'm I'm so pleasantly surprised and and it's not because I'd like doubted the abilities of the filmmakers but more because this was film four in a series I really really do not like and I'm just, I really wanted to turn it around and like this one's whether they can keep this momentum going with Justice League already being mostly done I was gonna say I don't have high, like, I don't have the, I, I won't go into Justice League hoping for the quality we got for Wonder Woman but I'm, I'm going glad. into Justice League expecting Batman v Superman Part Two. I'm glad Wonder Woman was good because I think it'll <clears throat> it'll lead to more female-led superhero movies, which I think is what we need. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what's what's really what's really sort of a sign of its triumph in general on my on my personal barometer is it's the first DCE DCEU movie I'm actually going to fucking buy. Yeah, I think it's really yeah because <laughs> I used to be that completionist in the t- in the early 2000s where I was like, if it's a superhero movie, I'm buying it. Whether I like and it, then or I'll, not. and then I'll watch it and decide if I like it or not. And and you know, like recent years, I've been like, cause I remember Guy when he stayed with us for a few months was like, uh, "Why have you not got Man of Steel? I've wanted, I've wanted to see it. Like, have you got Man of Steel? And no." And he's like, "Why don't you have Man of Steel? Because it, it's was, shit." I was like, "Because I saw it. It was shit. <laughs> I don't want to watch it again." Pants. I mean, that being said, we're in the same room as like X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, but, you know, it was bought in a box set. Damn it, leave me alone. Yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at your shelf here, and you don't have Man of Steel or BVS or Suicide Squad. Yeah, and I and neither do I. I don't have those movies either. I don't intend to watch any of them. No, no. To be honest, I think we, we'll probably have to at some point because yeah. we, we might do something with them in the future. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're masochists, if anything. Um, Wonder Woman's yeah. great. Wonder Woman's really good. David Thewlis's David Thewlis's David Thewlis's mustache is pretty sweet. It's a great cast on the whole, actually. It's a damn fine cast. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to what this character does the next time they're allowed to tell their own story. Yes. I'm, I, I couldn't give a shit about her she in, might in be Justice con- League. She but... might be constrained in Justice League, but I'm intrigued to see what they uh, they do with her again. Yeah. We'll see. Do you know what else we'll see? Emails. Emails. Hey. hey! You know what else we saw, which, oh. we're, gonna, which we're going to talk about when we Oh, yes. Is we saw the Doctor Who. The Doctor of the Who. But Matt we'll... and Chris, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly review the latest episode. Ooh. But we'll get to that. Will we? First. Oh. First. No! Hey. Hey! Um, <laughs> first, un- unrelated... No, no Doctor Who in this email. What the this, fudge? This comes from this comes from Daniel. He says, "Gentlemen, I am a mere nineteen years of age, yet I very much appreciated the goons reference in episode forty-eight of the Big Damn Cast. Yay! That is all. Thank you for your time. Yay! Oh, that makes me happy." Yeah. Um, that makes me happy. P.S. Regarding the alien conversations of the past few weeks, I have a question. I'm extremely averse to body horror, yet I love clever sci-fi stuff. Should I take the plunge and force myself through the gore for the sake of the sci-fi concept? Thanks again. Um, I don't think the first two movies are particularly gory. The first one has it's got that chest... one big shock yeah. moment of violence. It's got the chestburster sequence, which is 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 has some blood in it, but it's not like... You're not seeing rib cages and things no, like it's that. It's not modern gore by any standards, and the, and the second one has less gore in it. Yeah, because the, sec- um, the second one's more about, like, you're seeing, like, burns and, and gunshots really quickly in the light. Yeah. And it's usually in the middle of 
it's in the middle of fire, like it's in the middle of, of a fight, so you, you never like linger on the shots, they're all very quick. It's only really Prometheus and Covenant that go full on body horror. Yeah. There's some of it in Resurrection. Yeah, with the clones and With everything. the clones and, and the, the hybrid and, and stuff like that. Um, but Three's got some cascading blood, but again, not really on camera. It's yeah, like, it's like, like you know, it's... people being dragged into things and everything. I think Alien and Aliens, you're, you're pretty much safe for and they're worth watching. As to whether you watch further and want to push through the body horror aspects of Prometheus it depends entirely on how much you find yourself liking the franchise after those two movies. Yeah. Because you could just watch those two and be fine. Um, if, it, if, if the basic question, forgetting the gore element for a second, is just, should I watch any of the Alien movies? I think your answer is just, yes, Alien and Aliens. There you go. That's your safe bet. There's pleasures to be had with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> pleasures of the flesh. But a man is not required. Um... <laughs> There's pleasures to be had with all of them. I, but by certainly by today's standards, they're not particularly gory hmm. anymore. So you put them next to something like a saw or a hostel, and they're not like yeah. They're, they're, there's a little <clears> blood in them, and there's of course the, the idea of the chest person, but it's more it's more the themes and the implications of what they do than what they actually when you you actually see yeah the horror the horror comes like from the horror comes from the boundaries broken yeah. not not the flesh they're re- they're relatively tame compared to modern horror movies you'd um, be right you'd be right she were 19 yeah yeah you'd be fine you'd be right. you'll be able to cope with it don't worry um canon smallwood <laughs> as i live and breathe says Unfortunately, due to unforeseen weather-related incidents, I do not have a song this week. <laughs> it destroyed their piano. However, what I do have <laughs> is a monkey old cardboard box in my loft full of old digital, versatile discs. One of which is Time Lash, which I got had up there until Mum and Auntie Eileen had a clear out last weekend and told me, and I was like, oh, bum diddles, I just bought Time Lash recently. So anyway, I kept it, but I have two copies and don't really need two copies and wonder if you'd like it. If not, no problem, please let me know either way. <laughs> Uh, I'm good for Time Lash, thanks. But there's a follow-up. Oh, well, oh, oh. There's a follow-up. Oh? Canon Smallwood says, I retract my previous email due to having accidentally smashed Time Lash repeatedly against the wall. Regards, Canon Smallwood. It's a shame, that, because if an old beggar woman ever comes knocking at your door, <laughs> asking asking for a gift, <laughs> then you can always give a Time Lash. It ends well. It does end well, I've heard. I've heard. Ah, right. <laughs> uh, YouTube it. Okay, Lu- Lewis Christian. <laughs> as I live and says, breathe, as I live and eat copious amounts of breathe. Says pyramids in that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is a very short email. I. He says simply, one day they will say, 2017. Boy, was that a time to be a Doctor Who fan. Do you know what that's in reference to? <laughs> Tell me. So the brand manager of Doctor Who this week oh, tweeted yeah. that sentence. Their brand is managed? Apparently. That's a fucking shock. He tweeted that sentence. I had a dream last night. It's all about you. I had a dream last night about, the, about the end of Doctor Who. Oh? But it was it was still Matt Smith, but Missy was in it. Right. And there was a big old episode, and it was still Clara. There was a big old episode, and at the end of the episode... Like, you literally saw them dismantle the TARDIS. <laughs> and and everything was put back in its right place. And, like, it had never been there. Like, it had never been there. And then, like, the last shot of the episode was, you see, in a room. And it's 
Chris Eccleston with his back to the camera. Okay. David Tennant sat down, and then Matt Smith is just in there. And it's not. It wasn't clear to me whether they were in character as the Doctor or themselves, but they were in costume. Uh, but Matt Smith had glasses on, and he just and he just sits down and he's reading from a book, and he looks up at you, and he smiles, and the door closes, <laughs> and that was it. And I don't know where that came from. Even in your dream, Chris Eccleston didn't come back. They got oh. a body double and had him stand. back to the camera. I don't, know if, I don't know if it was the actors. I don't know if, what that was. <laughs> it was just. It was. He just said bye, and the door closed, and that was it for Doctor Who. <laughs> and then I had the idea that, that they would just start. <laughs> that was how. That was how Matt Smith could have ended, and then he could have just started with Capaldi. But I was very upset by this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, in my in my dream, I was holding back tears. Aww. I don't know why, because it didn't make any sense, because it was a dream. But yeah, anyway, let's talk about um, Pyramid at the End of the World. Must we? Must we? Matthew? It was alright. Erogenous it wasn't, no, it, wasn't, no, it wasn't very good. Like, again, it's got some decent ideas in it, but it just never really went anywhere with them, I thought. I like the idea of the monks, and but then it was never clear about whether, about what... what exactly they were going to do. Mm. Um, I like that we had um, a, a person of small stature in a role where that never came up. Yep. That was cool. Agreed. Uh, and she was good. The actress was good. Um, Tony Garda was wasted, though. Yeah. Oh, he's hungover. Oh, he's a bit unwell. Oh, he's a puddle. He's a puddle. <laughs> it's like, that's um, Tony Garda. Every time I look at him, I instantly smile. Yeah, but you bring out... all I can hear in my head is... That's all I can hear in my head when I see him. The good thing about bringing in actors like that is that you don't need to give them much to work with to establish themselves as a character in a presence. Yeah, like you're instantly warm to them. Yeah, exactly. Because you recognise them from what stuff you've seen them in before. You go, yeah, it's that person. That's why actors like that tend to turn up as characters who get killed off early. Because okay. you don't need to do much work on screen to establish them, because people just get them. Alright, okay, I suppose. From my point of view. As I a, suppose. That's what I would do if I was casting. I suppose, um, Matthew, I suppose. That's a perfectly valid excuse they continue to for do... wasting the majesty of Tony Bartholomew Gardner. Tony Bart. I don't know if that's his name. Uh, it is but... now. <laughs> um, Tony Morecambe Gardner. Uh, <laughs> Hey! Um, I think... I don't understand where they're going with this blindness thing. Well, it's done now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but exactly, what was the point? I don't understand what the point of that was. The Doctor's vulnerable during a time when he needs to not be vulnerable. Really? And also, they, they made a big thing of setting up Missy in the Vault last episode and haven't done it, done anything with it this week, which means they're going to touch on it next week, which is going to break... It means he's going to bring Missy out of the Vault to help him take on the monks. I, I just... It... Mm, like mm. Extremis, this week to me just felt pointless. It, I came out of it having not learned anything. I think if the payoff is good next week, if I it's might a end up liking if. this. It's a big if, sunshine. But if the payoff is poor next week, which it most likely will be, <laughs> I say next week, this week. If the payoff is poor this week, <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to like this episode. But this episode living or is going to live or die on the payoff that comes in in the next episode. Oh, I think it's dead on arrival. But I think that's just because I can kind of predict where they're going to go with it. The problem for me is the monks are the whispermen. 
the monks of the silence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they've always been around and they've always been up to stuff, but what they're up to is vague. And I just have a nightmare vision of next week ending with, so what did they want? Perhaps we'll never know. Yeah. It's like, no, fuck off. They Mm. took our attention for three weeks. Especially after you'd given us five weeks of, like, Monster of the Week, which become fun again because we missed it. To suddenly have this thing be the, be the story for three weeks and it not result in anything. Yes. It seems so dull. And it's like, so wait, their plot to take over the world is they're offering us salvation. Like, they don't take over the world in a we are the rulers of Earth kind of way. More in a we'll take care of you kind of way. But we know it's sinister because the way that they've threatened them. So it's like, so they're not looking after us then. What? What? Why? And why is it a pyramid? Why is it a pyramid other than they had what? It's an interesting visual unquote. And they had a CGI pyramid left in their digital effects store after um, the uh, Wedding of River Song. I don't know. I think I think it being an interesting visual is, an interest, is a good enough excuse. I don't, yeah, but why a pyramid? Why a pyramid? Why not? Why would they, make, why would they just randomly plonk a pyramid somewhere? Oh, they're like, well, they've done it. They've wanted to get our attention. It's a warning. It's like, yeah, but why a pyramid? Got people talking, Why a didn't it? fucking pyramid? It could have been a dildo! We didn't get people talking because the only people knew about it were the military operations that surrounded the area and kept yeah. it from everybody. Fine. I just And that bastard plane. Like, we've got a plane set. Let's use it again. It's a different plane, though. See? It doesn't have the Brigadier's portrait on the wall. But we've got a plane set in a story that is essentially the same from a, ba- from a basic standpoint as the last time we had that plane set up the last time we had the president of the world thing the Zygon story this is almost the same it's we have to come to an agreement for the betterment of the world but it might involve people dying and it could be and I've seen I've seen a gif somewhere and I think it's from a preview clip from, from this week's upcoming episode and I hope I'm wrong I hope this is a joke someone's put together yeah but it's him on the plane there are a couple of monks on the plane there's the remaining army leaders who didn't get killed. And he's basically saying, um, sit down and Google, is what the doctor's saying to them. <laughs> if that's real, that means he's referencing the sit down and talk stuff from that speech that they thought was oh so revolutionary. Well, it sounds like he's the end of the world now, though, doesn't it? Was he just sit down and... Well, yeah, but I mean, like that, in that much of a parallel of like, here's one side, here's the other. We've got everything we need. All we should have done all along... Sit down and Google. It's like I don't think that's what it is. I fucking hope it isn't because if so, it's like you cons, skeleton warriors. Um, um. So yeah, I just I'm I'm at I'm at the end of my tether now. I'm like you've you've lost me. You've got to get me. You've got to claw me back now. You had me, and now I'm like, oh, God's sake. Mm. Two weeks of this with a third one on the way. Mm. Also, I saw a visual point out today. I haven't seen series four of Sherlock because I couldn't be asked. But um, apparently his and Mycroft's sister is the villain. And in the last episode, there's entire Dark Knight slash Skyfall-esque scenes of her in a glass case in the middle of the room. And they're talking to her through the glass case. Um, which is the exact setup for Missy in the next episode. She's playing a piano in a glass case in the middle of a room. Of course she is. Because, once again, Moffat does the same things. Ladies are all evil, wearing formal wear and talking in glass cases. La 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 la. Uh, just I'm bored. I'm bored of him, and I want him to, I want him, I want him to go. I want him to go, and I want Ed Russell to delete that tweet. <laughs> what a two thousand five, maybe two thousand thirteen, definitely. Now jog right on, Luke. No, 
says... No, Ma- no Mark Lucas this week, sorry. Um, <laughs> hey, at BDC, it is I, Luke, the ginger one. Remember? Good. Oh, God. Threatening. What if uh, you don't remember? I have a few questions and I couldn't think of any answers. That's okay. That's why you're asking us. That's fine. That's um, what questions do. You, do you recommend any John Hughes films? I'm a fan of Sixteen Candles, National Lampoon's Vacation, National Lampoon's European Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Vegas Vacation. So basically the vacation movies. Yeah, you know the vacation movies. Um, uh, Uncle Book. Yeah. Come on, man. Breakfast Club. And Home Alone, because he wrote it. And Home Alone. <laughs> yes. So Uncle Book, go. man. Uncle Book. Always Uncle Book. <laughs> best, best John Hughes film. Um, also John Candy. Yeah, also John Candy. Um, that should be a new Mark Commode like rating thing. Yeah, for, for retro uh, also, movie also reviews. Candy. Also John Candy. And I'm a, I'm a Collie Culkin. Um, <laughs> specify your favourite thing. Young about and fleshy. Each series of Doctor Who and spin-offs. Favorite summarize our favourite thing about each series. Um, I think we have to group them together. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. Favorite thing about a series about the about series one is Christopher Eccleston. Favorite thing about series two to four and the specials is David Tennant. Favourite thing about series five onwards is, is Matt Smith. Favourite thing about yeah. <laughs> Favourite thing about Torchwood is Children of Earth. Favourite thing about Sarah Jane Adventures is Elizabeth Sladen. Favourite thing about Yes, those were the only two Doctor Who spin-offs ever produced. There wasn't anything else because those two shows were in a class of their own. Speaking of Sarah Jane Adventures, while we're here, um, if you like Sarah Jane Adventures uh, and you want to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the show, there's a big Who doesn't celebration. Like Sarah Jane Adventures? Idiots! There's a big celebration going on in July in Cardiff. If you go to theattic.com, you can find out more information about that. It's for charity, so all, you, all the money you spend on your tickets is going to uh, some very good causes. And you'll get to meet the uh, the uh, Battle Monroe gang and a bunch of the actors who worked on the show. Katie Manning's going to be there as well, so you've got a bit of Joe Grant in there. And uh, some, some pillocks doing some of the Q&As, so uh, come and check it out. Yes. But yes. Meets! Meets! Uh, I think, um, I, I, think I much, pretty much agree with you. Yes. Yeah, on everything like that's yeah. That's... I can't really get more specific than that. Yeah. Without doing, I don't know, maybe a series of videos or something. Um, not promising anything. But yet we might. <laughs> um. <laughs> how, how how do you spell the Sazine's home planet? I myself know. Well, yeah, because any time you see it written down, yeah. it's, that's the spelling. Rassacoracophalopaturus. Uh, R-E-X-I-C-O-R-I-C-A-L-A-F-A-L-L-A-P-O-T-I-R-I-U-S. Rassacoracophalopaturus. Maybe. No, I think it's um, O-N-T-H-E-G-O-O-D-S-H-I-P-L-O-L-L-Y-P-O-P, I think. Yeah, that's um, it. That's, that's it. it. Uh, C-L-O-M. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you um, oh, The mighty geographess of the holy hydrogesic Max Arodenfo. There right, you go. Fine. There, we've done a word thing. We've done it. Finally, I was wondering whether I could interview Chris as the next guest on my podcast, since I am a my listeners group within presenting CBBC. 
And he's got some details there, so I'll leave you for that. I'll um, uh, no promises, I'm afraid, at the moment, because I'm in a ridiculously busy schedule ahead of a couple of jobs trying to get all stuff crammed in. But I'll try my best, so I'll look over it. No worries. Um, cheers. Bye, 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 bye. P.S. I don't know if there was right number of buys. I just kind of lost track. P.S. Any of you going to Collectomania on Saturday? I am not. Where's Collectomania this Saturday? I think, wasn't that this weekend just gone? Or is there one coming up this weekend? This came in three days ago, so... Is it Collectomania in Manchester, maybe? I don't know. Oh no, I've not been to a con for a while. I, I, the last con I went to was was, was um, London Film and Comic Con in two thousand and I want to say fourteen. I just I had a t- I had a horrible experience. It was just like the most unorganized mess in the world, and mm. getting ridiculously expensive to do everything and anything. I just kind of went, I I don't want to do this anymore. And several years later, I'm feeling great about it. So so sums it up really. I think 2015 was the last one we went to. Whichever one, whichever one um, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox went to was the last one we went to. Yeah. Um, I've been tempted to go to one of the Manchester ones on behalf of, of the Big Damn Nonsense to see if we could do something or other. Um, but, you know, if we do, you'll be the first to know, obviously, because you're listening. <laughs> hey! hey! Well, I'll be the first to know and then you'll find out. Um, <laughs> no, that's how people find out information nowadays. They see it on the news and go, oh shit, that's me. Final... That's how you get fired as an FBI director nowadays. Fuck it up. Kofifi. Um, the... <laughs> final email. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what Bill Murray whispered into Scarlett Johansson's ear. <laughs> <in the> last <laughs> translation. Your friend and mine, Tom Monte. He says... <laughs> Chris and Matt. Doctor Who, it had some appalling visuals, I must say. E.g., when the plane was coming down. And the episode does make me wonder if the previous episode will be at all relevant to the overall plot. I think if Extremists had been like a five to ten minute prologue to this episode, it would have been more effective. And it looks like next week we'll be seeing the supposed regeneration that we saw in the Series 10 trailer, because in the next time trailer, the Doc is wearing similar clothes. <laughs> Are you guys digging this three-parter so far? No, I'm hating it, to be honest. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold. We'll see how the end, end goes. House of Cards is back for Season 5 this week. Are you guys excited if you even watch it? Um, I fell off around Season 3 and I've just not got around to catching up yet. But I have never seen a frame. I like the show. I've just fallen behind and I need to catch up. Um, I like the free yeah. time I have from not watching the show. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> I'll check it um, out some point. Who is your favourite character from Breaking Bad? Uh, Hank. Next question. Yeah, by the end of the series, yeah, Hank. Yeah. That's a very good shout, actually. Yeah. Oh, there are no more questions. Have a lovely week, Tom Monte. <laughs> oh, last second email. What? Has that just appeared? Just appeared in Holy our inbox. shit biscuit. Literally, it's 15.48 now. This email came in at 15.47. What the balls? Cannon Smallwood. He, how does he know? Wonder Woman was the dog's bollocks without the dogs. Ooh. Ooh. Cannon. Cannon, you, you rogue. You small wood. Oh. Uh, 
cutting. Well, thanks cutting for joining us, you handsome swines. Have you seen Wonder Woman? What do you think about it? No, the comment takes you below. Oh, of course, you can email us bigdamncontact at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at the Big Damn Cast, where you can tweet to us throughout the week for nonsense and bollocks. This weekend, we've got another Big Damn Love on Sunday, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And as well uh, now it's time for Cheats Corner. No, no, no it's not. No. PlayStation 2. No, no. Cheats Corner. No, it's not. We've this not, week, we heard, it. we listened, and now we'll respond no, with not. those hot codes no. for the X-Files. The, Resist what? or serve. They did a video game? Gameplay cheats. Oh, Jesus. Enter these cheats in the cheat option within game settings. Well, I mean, that's just not fair. If Unlock all bonus features. What, Left. R1, L1, down, circle, unlock all acts. R2, right, L2, up, square. One shot kills. Circle, L2, down, R2, X. Player, invincible. I mean, is the X-Files about shooting things? Square, circle, X, down. No, because Mulder always loses his gun. Um, Grenade (laughs) bullets. Grenade bullets in your X-Files game. Uh, is 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 X. Circle, square, L2, no R2. Unlimited ammo. Right, I mean, does anyone Unlimited ammo. Does anyone ammo. own this game? Does anyone L1, own it? L1. Did anyone L2, own it at the time? X. R2. Please. R1. I don't you this. can break your copy of X for of Resist or Serve. Wide open. Don't own the game. Own the... Own the game. Oh. That didn't work. Chris, what am I doing? Why, why do I keep doing this? I don't know. I think I need help. Bye!